Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awakening Universal Minds. My name is Brother Benite, a.k.a. Brother Michael. Uh, got also with me, Brother Ravana Noon. And we will have Brother Sargidi join us a little bit later. He's running a little bit late. Uh, he'll be joining us shortly. Uh, as usual, just give you a brief introduction. Uh, brother Ravana Noon, why don't you go ahead and do that, brother? Sure. Um, this is Brother Ravana Noon. Uh, we're representing for the Awakening Universal Minds show. We've walked uh, many different paths from religious to occult to metaphysical to alchemical, from Ansar Islam to uh, Rosicrucian to you name it. We've walked a lot of these spiritual paths for the experience, not to glorify ourselves, not to brag about it, but for the experience, for the simple fact that people talk shit against these traditions, orders, societies, whatever the case may be, and use some of their doctrine information, but yet they never walk in it to really understand it. It's about the experience. When you have the experience, you can understand the initiations and esoteric meanings behind things outside of looking from the outside in and trying to understand it. This show is not about uh, religious bullshit. So if you're on the show and you want to talk about God, Jesus, Jehovah, Yahweh, Allah, um, go to your masjid or your church to do that. We don't entertain that bullshit here. Not that we won't listen to you, but don't expect us to be nice about it when we've walked that, understand it, and cannot stand it as far as the dogma and the brainwashing systems that are behind that. So if you're coming on the show for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs fairy tales tonight, this is not the show for you. If you're coming on here for some peace, love, and light, this is not the show for you. If you're coming on here to face yourself, to awaken that dark, chaotic energy and deal with the real shit, then this is the show for you. Otherwise than that, you can excuse yourself now before it gets too late. Warning, you have been warned. <laughs> exactly. Um, and pr- pretty much, uh, to keep it short, as far as background experience, pretty much the same thing. Brother Ravana Noon said, that's going to apply to me, Brother Sargi. And and what we do want to talk about tonight, title of the show, working working with, you know, the deities, archetype energies, and just as Brother Ravana Noon said, this is not going to be, uh, you know, fairy tales, faith, belief. Um, this is going to kind of get to the core and the essence. So when we throw words out there like magic, chaos, um, mantras, vibrational energy, um, alchemy, mysticism. These are all terms that are affiliated with getting to the core and essence of what is the process of working with these archetype energies by way of any magical system. Um, Let's just also establish this. There is not one specific method or system uh, 
that has the soul lock on, on the exclusive way of, of the truth or doing things. Uh, let's establish that because to understand what that chaos is, and we're going to go to some brief, just a brief definition from alchemy and mysticism um, to, to establish what chaos represents to an alchemist or a magician. Um, and we, we have to get locked in our minds. There's not one specific teacher, group, organization, religion, culture, dogma. You will never understand what chaos is and how chaos magic works and how alchemy truly works if you're confounded to a mind state where you think you're affiliated with some type of dogma, organization, or doctrine that has a soul lock on the truth. You're, you're, you're basically, as we've said numerous times on many shows, you're actually part of the experiment. You're not controlling the experiment, contrary to what you might think in your mind. So when we use that terminology, we want to be clear. We're saying you're not under the control of anything or anybody. Uh, that's what it means when you hear the terminology, you're either controlling the experiment or part of it. Unfortunately, nowadays, most people are under the illusion that they're controlling the experiment. They're being deceived uh, by many of these things that we got going on. Um, so we want to share some uh, darkness on there. So we're going to be dealing with dark side because really it starts in essence with understanding what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, dealing with chaos. Now, if you're hearing that word, and as we know, words carry vibrations and energy. Once you hear a word, it triggers a thought in your mind, and you establish a definition. You either visualize it or you formulate the thought in your mind. That's a reality. So if you're hearing the word chaos and negative thoughts are coming to your mind, then you need the subconscious mind to be reprogrammed. Because chaos in the sense of how it's known on the surface, when people hear the word chaos, they automatically, the mind is triggered to associate that with something that's negative. People will think of many negative aspects. Um, when dealing with alchemy, let's go, let's go real quick to, the, to a couple of brief definitions. All right? What is chaos when you hear this term? What does it really represent? Well, here's a definition from alchemy and mysticism. One, and we'll, talk, we'll start with this, Brother Ravana Noon. We'll kind, of, we'll, kind of, we'll kind of start with the essence here, and I think we'll work our way outward because the chaos is the, the innermost point that a, a true magician or somebody that works with the archetype energies of the deities, they have to start there to really understand this. It says, God's new world, and they're using that term loosely, is suspended as self-enclosed sphere above the realm of darkness Ruled by chaos in ancient night, its nethermost realm, bolted with a great gate, adjoins hell. From there, the white thoroughfare is built across chaos to the new world. That's one definition. We're going to talk about what this symbolizes. All right, here's another definition, okay? Uh, let me skip over here. Hold on. Okay, here's another definition. Hold on. Lost my page. Okay. Chaos, it has no name. Nevertheless, it is called matter or chaos, possibility or being, able to develop or underlying other things. No beginning, no end, uh, no starting point, no ending point. It just is. Okay, the key thing we need to point out here, and it breaks that illusion. Let's talk about this. To first understand deity and archetype energy, one first has to establish and break the myth and illusion of these symbolicisms that they call 
these two separate worlds, heaven, hell, existence, uh, as it said in that first definition, all things basically evolve out of this chaos. That's what this is explaining here. You can call it darkness. You can call it in ancient Egypt, uh, primordial, the primordial water. Uh, you can call it none and the chaotic waters. You, you have it in many different cultures. In ancient Egypt, it's represented in the pantheon or the archetype energy of Set, where it deals, Set is defined as the chaotic deity of ancient Egypt. He deals with chaos. Um, so let's start there in, in trying to get an understanding of this because when you trace this concept back, you can pretty much go into any order. Everybody talks about Egypt, for an example, but nobody really talks about the core and essence and the real power of Egypt when you deal with the order of Anubis. These are all dark orders. Now, when we're saying dark, we're, we're dealing with chaos. You never hear them talking about the order of set. Set is always portrayed and always taught as something being negative, um, as something being not positive, because, again, people have Christianized Egypt, unfortunately. Um, this, is, this is a concept that goes on. I still hear stupid-ass shows on whether it's YouTube, blog talk. People still have, have the stupidity to really believe that there's this force called the Caucasian and the white man. That, that ties into all this demonic stuff, and they, 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 they constantly want to propagate in your mind that there's this new world order slash satanic brotherhood uh, that that's meets in secret, and they're, and they're trying to overtake the world. See, you give, it, you give it power when you actually accept that concept. See, the more you accept it, the more power you give to it. The more you just don't accept that methodology, it has no life. It has no power. Part of the power is through mental magic and mind control is to instigate the thought and the mindset. So I'm, I'm bringing that up because when people hear chaos, people hear these different dark orders, the mind is automatically programmed to go to what Europeans call Satanism. Okay, so we need to incorporate tonight all the elements. And, again, like Brother Ravonna said, this ain't, this ain't going to be a show it's not a feel-good show. We're not catering to your emotions tonight. This is, this is a different spirit and energy here this evening. We're dealing with dark energy tonight. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that, uh, Brother Ravonneman. Let's talk a little bit about the core and essence of chaos. And let's dispel the myths on what that chaos is. And then we'll kind of get into some of the, some of the magic principles, uh, rituals, uh, things of that nature where one can elevate themselves. In, in working with this energy, because all of these archetype energies evolve out of chaos. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, first, let's begin here. Let's begin um, in a metaphysical concept that I hear a lot of these so-called conscious Negroes talk about. Let's talk about the black dot. Do they really know what the black dot is? Now, some people say, oh, that's my neo gland. Other people right. will say it's this or that, whatever the case. Well, across different doctrines, across different information from different sections of this planet, the black dot represented more than some damn pineal gland. Let's get that out the way. The black dot represented that origin, that point, that point of life where all things began, and it began in the chaos. What do I, why do I say that? Because the black dot expanded itself from a dot or a point. It expanded itself from that dot or point to create 
sacred geometry or what you call geometric shapes. Why is that important to understand? Because geometry or sacred shapes, as they call it, sacred geometry, is able to harness energy. Energy is chaos in its purest form before right. it's defined, limited, or or made bound, uh, made into a boundary. Okay, let's understand this fact because people want to run from chaos. They want to run to the light. They want to run to peace. They want to love, and they want to just be so fairyish. Okay, and let's just break that myth right now. The Illuminati, for those who believe in that shit, let's just say the Illuminati believes in Ordo Abkale. Ordo Abkale, <laughs> which is out of chaos comes order. order. That's right. Let's say it again. It doesn't say out of order comes chaos. It means out of chaos comes order. Now, I'm going to quote a movie. Okay, it's called The Avengers, The Age of Ultron. Some of y'all have seen this. At the very end of The Avengers, The Age of Ultron, the uh, being is talking to Ultron, and he says, humans think that chaos and order are two separate things, and humans will fight to destroy one thing, the chaos, to make the order seem like it's real. But humans do not understand that in reality, in so many words, it's what he's saying, in so many words, he says, they don't understand they're basically the same thing. Right. It's your perception. See, when you believe in order, you believe in control. You believe in systematic control. You believe in brainwashing. You believe in uh, formations being brought into a formation, meaning you're like an army, you're marching to the same rhythm, moving right. to the same beat, and you don't get it when you do that. And what I mean by that is this. I'm a, I'm a state, a tantric concept. Not this fucking fairy tale tantric shit we have here in America that niggas just horny as fuck and making everything about massages and stroking your dick and, you know, uh, massaging the, 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 the clit. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real Tantra. Most of you fuckers will be too scared to even practice real Tantra. Let me tell you what real Tantra, one of their philosophies is. Their philosophy is in order to transform yourself from the current state of existence you're into a different state, you have to do the very thing that is considered taboo in your society. Holy shit. The mic dropped on that one. Did you hear me, people? Tantra, the original Tantra teaches that you have to do the very thing that's considered taboo in your society in order to transform. That is chaos in a simplistic form. What does that mean? That means that chaos cannot be bounded, cannot be limited or controlled by your morals, by your systematic oppression, by your systematic control mechanisms, that means that chaos is the very thing that gives life to raising your higher self. Meaning, if I'm in a chaotic state, I'm in a creative state. Let me say that again. If I'm in a chaotic state, I'm in a creative state. 
But niggas ran from that, and they'll go and say, well, let me meditate. Let me meditate on the light. Let me hug a tree. Let me smoke some weed, and I love everybody, and everything is peace and lovely. But that same motherfucker, 10 years later, still doing the same shit, ain't grown, ain't changed, ain't transformed, stinks like all hell, and ain't done shit for their life, right? But the motherfucker who understands what chaos really is says, I embrace the chaos in my life. I embrace it because it is through chaos that I change. It is through chaos that I grow, and it is through chaos that I face my human frailties to ascend past and overcome that bullshit. Now, people will fight and argue, oh, oh, chaos, chaos, Um, um, yeah, because you're scared. Because whenever you hear, and, and I don't care if you're the midnight blackest person on the planet Earth, you're scared of your own goddamn shadow. I'm going to tell you like it is. Most black people I have met are scared of their own goddamn shadow. They'll talk all this pro-black and melanin, but they're the first nigga to say, the sun, the sun, we worship the sun. Really, nigga? Really. First of all, if you know anything about your ancient cultures, you know that there was no goddamn fucking mystical, esoteric, or or real heavy transformational uh, initiations or teachings that were ever done by the, by the light. It was always Nothing. done by the night and by the fire of the night. The fire represented that chaotic energy as well. Okay? So understand that you fairy tale faggots are very delusional because you want to worship the sun, but the sun was used for one simple fact, to increase your serotonin levels which by night, when the night comes in, will transform that to melatonin levels. And melatonin is the precursor for DMT to be produced. And DMT is necessary for ascension, astral travel, meditation on uh, transcendental meditation in different levels. However, you guys still want to worship the sun. You don't get it. The order of Anub or Anubu or Anubis or whatever you guys want to fight about and argue about the name, it's irrelevant. That's right. This being, which always was a black jackal, and if you know anything about nature, there is no goddamn black jackal in nature, okay? Go study that, and you'll understand that they use the color black because it's symbolic of that chaotic energy. That Anub is... Uh, a representation of one of the representations of that chaotic energy. And then you know it's funny, brother. On two notes, that I want to back up on two things that you said. It's funny you're bringing this up and something that we we studied years ago. Uh, it's funny because ask a Christian or a religious person why do they wear black at funerals, and they really can't go anywhere in any of their holy books and give you a, a, a explanation because it's tying into what you're talking about now. But you mentioned something also. If, you, if we back up just a couple minutes ago, you said people are miserable because of the one concept you, you said. They've deceived themselves into thinking that peace and light and darkness and chaos are two different things. So people are miserable because they're always chasing this false illusion that there is this concept of a pure state of what they've defined in their subconscious mind of what peace and light is. So people spend their whole life fighting over this, 
debating over this, arguing over it, chasing this myth that doesn't exist because it's actually, as we said, it's one and the same thing. Because as you mentioned earlier when you were talking about, as it says, out of chaos comes order, not vice versa. Even symbolically, and this is one thing most religious people uh, in any form of monotheism never capture, they always miss the fact that it simply says they're God. Before he created the light, he existed in the darkness. So even the core of their very creator, even if you're religious, tells you that this primordial being or archetype energy that you're calling God existed in darkness and manifested out of the darkness, confirming everything you just said. So people are not seeing what's right in front of their face. It's not shit what we're, that we're giving you our opinion on, our interpretation on. We're trying to shake you out of a certain mind state because, you know, enough of the bullshit. We could sit here and, and kick all this metaphysical occult shit all day, but if we're not really grasping the meaning of it and if we're not putting it into practice, then we're doing the same thing that these other fools are doing. Um, but anyway, I wanted, I wanted to back up on that because I hope people caught what you were, you were saying because I don't know if it went over their head. But anyway, go ahead, brother. Well, we could simplify it later, brother. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, to continue, as the brother was stating um, and, and just rehashing it so that y'all could truly understand if you missed it, how, let, let's go from there. Because one thing that um, I want to repeat this again, because I think people miss this. You don't change, transform, or grow if you stay in the same condition that you are today and expect some fucking transformation. Let me tell you this. What do I mean by that? Peace. The concept of peace is the very concept that people do not realize was created to keep you a slave. Now, you may say, no, brother, see, because most world traditions, yeah, motherfuckers, let, let me say this again. God damn it, dude. Bro, do we have to break this down? Let's break this down. Okay, first yeah. of all, most world traditions today that you know of today are not in its original form. Most of the world traditions today that you hear about have been some way, somehow altered to create a system where you can easily be mind-fucked. That's right. Not saying it. I'm not going to be a nice, nice person tonight. Mind fucked. That's right. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, when you look at most present-day systems, they teach you to have peace, to be loving, to be caring. Well, Coming to the understand light, this. They're teaching you this, but at the same motherfucking time, somebody is shafting you up the ass without grease. Okay? So while they're having you look the other way, okay, at good old Reverend Porkchop up there, his boy is stroking you from the back. What, do I, what does that mean? That means in so many terms that when they have you looking to Jesus, God, Allah, Yahweh, and all this fairy tale bullshit, they're raping you, blind. They're right. sucking you dry of all your, your spiritual energy. They're sucking you dry for your money. Now, right. let, let me let me say let me back this up. Okay, 
How do they suck you dry of your spiritual energy? Hmm. Well, first of all, you master occultists and metaphysicians and anybody else. You already should know this. If you don't, well, keep studying. All the masjids, all the synagogues, all the um, churches are all geometrically shaped. Remember I said this in the beginning. They're all geometrically shaped the way they are currently structured for a goddamn motherfucking reason. All churches are mostly square or rectangle shaped, correct? And they correct. always have a cathedral shape to the top or a um, half a pyramid shape. Let's just put it that way. Now, if you know anything about the pyramid, it's a conductor of energy. It conducts and cultivates and harnesses energy. If you know anything about a square, a square is the perfect shape to trap energy. God damn it. Why? Well, let's keep it simple. If I'm going to ship something, do I ship it in a circular box or do I ship it in a square box? Hmm. Simplistic as can be, right? So anyway, so I'm in a church, and I have these shapes, and the church... The pastor's got you pumped up. It's got you dancing, got you jigging and, and, and dancing a jig. Cooning. Cooning and, and splitting and doing twerking in church nowadays and all kinds of crazy shit. And you motherfuckers are just feeding that energy. And the pastor getting more hyped and he's getting crazier up there. And he's sweating. He got goddamn handkerchiefs all over the place because he's sweating so much. You motherfuckers are just keep feeding him and feeding him. Y'all in a frenzy. Do you understand that all that energy is being trapped within the church? In that box. And that, and, yeah, exactly. And them motherfuckers are feeding <laughs> off your energy, and you're feeding the pastor, the bishops, the deacons. All these people are being fed your energy. I'm not even talking about money yet. I'm just talking about the energy. Well, <laughs> let's go to the masjid. Masjid is more subdued. Niggas are more uptight. They got sticks up their ass already before they got to the church, to the masjid. Sorry. They're already uptight. Motherfuckers are just sitting there. They look robotic. Everybody fucking salatin. And every motherfuckers <laughs> all fucking routines and robotic and uptight. And you fucking can't dance and do shit in there. And motherfuckers. Allahu Akbar, brother. Allahu Akbar. Yeah. And all you do is Allahu Akbar and Inshallah and Astaghfirullah and all this shit. Masha'Allah. Astaghfirullah. Yeah. All that shit, right? And so the, the Imam is up there giving a kutbah. Kutbah, for those who understand, is a sermon in Arabic. Okay, He's given a kutbah, and he usually has in back of him a niche. That's right, and the geometric shape is on it. Yep, <laughs> and that niche is a certain shape. And that niche is, he usually stands around that area because that motherfuckers, y'all don't realize your energy is going right to that niche and then sending it up That's to right. the masjid. The masjid is usually circular or square shape. That's right. It usually has a square with a circle up top. Not to mention most matches have a minaret. There you go. Now, and that's the, the penis and the breast. Go ahead, brother. That's right. Most matches have matches have a breast and a minaret short, short from Arabic, right? But you can hear the inspiration from the Egyptians, min, minaret, and it's shaped just like a penis, regardless of what and they men, And how do they always depict men? When you see pictures of men, how is men right, always depicted? The men staff, as we like to mm. call it on the show. Okay? Mm. Men, men are red. Mm, exactly. Very interesting. Go ahead, brother. And then this 
mustard with the breast, and that symbol of fertility. So they're feeding and, and taking all the sexual energy away from you. See, I forgot to mention in the church they do the same shit. They take the sexual energy. You think it's some spiritual shit. They take in your sexual energy. That's why you feel like right. a fucking uh, drain when you leave these these uh, so-called houses of worship. Mm-hmm. And funny thing is when you look at a synagogue, a synagogue is shaped just like a masjid. Motherfuckers, that's, that's right. basically the same shit, you know. Same thing. So th- it's the same concept that's taking place there. You guys don't see all this shit. You, know, you see, because a lot of times we're stuck in this, you know, um, demon and angels and, you know, I want to light a candle devil. and all this other shit. That's fine and dandy, but we're breaking some shit down here tonight for y'all to understand that it's deeper than what you see. Because, see, the motherfuckers, the elitists of this society who run this society, run the society off of chaos. That's right. They don't run the shit off of order. You think it's order because you see the police. You see, you think it's order because you go to the court. No, motherfucker. They created the chaos. Don't you understand? The chaos has to rule in order to even bring in the order. If I That's don't right. allow motherfuckers to rob, steal, kill, and all that, what would be the need of a court, a prison, or anything else? <laughs> think about that shit for a second. See, I have to create the environment for you to even want to commit a crime. What is a crime? A crime is usually something that you do against a law in society, okay, or you violating somebody's personal space or personal property. Understand now, by me creating a law, I'm saying to you that you can't govern yourself, okay? And if you feel that you really can't govern yourself, you give all your power over to the authorities, and they create the laws to keep you under control. So you're giving in to all of this, and what they did is create the very things to control you by is the very things that you most likely need to do to break free from their system of control and regain your chaotic primal energies or powers back. What does this mean in simplistic terms? Like I told you before at the beginning of the show, a tantris, a real uh, tantrika or tantric will always do what is considered taboo in society to regain their divinity. This sounds like a fucking oxymoron for some people. Sounds like a contradiction for some people. But you're, you're missing it. See, what a tantric does is they see the chaos as divinity because they understand that all things came from the original chaotic energy or form. And what they did is that everything that people in society consider taboo, wrong, evil, they see the divine chaotic energy or supreme primal energy in it. So that very thing is no longer just looked upon as a thing to do, it's looked upon as understanding the very supreme essence behind it. That's right. And so that act that once a taboo becomes something sacred, which is sacred chaotic energy to me. That's right. When I do or partake in that. Now, let's... So, let's uh-huh. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead, finish. So when we look at that, and I go back to a noop, and then or an anabis or a noopu, or we look at satech or set. You have to understand that, and I'm going to throw this because I'm going to tie the same fucking story of Set or Satak to the same story that it also took place in India. Now, check this out. I'm going to just use the Indian story real quick because this motherfucker 
Um, they're slick, boy. I tell you, motherfuckers are slick everywhere. But anyways, in India, you have the story of Rama and Hanuman and mm-hmm. Ravana. Oh, yeah, that's where I got my name from, by the way, because I admire this <laughs> motherfucker. And y'all just that's don't right. understand that shit yet. But Ravana was right. the king, okay, of India at one time. And Ravana was for the dark-skinned people of India. He was for the Dravidians. He was for right. the black-skinned people of India. And Hanuman and Rama really represented the invasion of the Aryan race or the Caucasians or these these uh, other peoples, okay? And what Ravana was doing was he was trying to fight off the invasion, not just physically but mentally, of his people being whitewashed in history. So what happens is Ravana would fight back against Hanuman. He would fight back against Rama, and he would send his forces to try to destroy them. But here's the bullshit. In modern-day India, they flip that motherfucking story around, and Ravana's the bad guy. He's considered a demon right. and shit. That's right. Because he was fighting for his people, for his divine, chaotic people, the chaos beings, the original motherfuckers of chaos. Okay, and in chaos, there is no motherfucking color, by the way. Just get that shit out your head. I'm just using these stories for y'all to understand them, but there is no color in chaos. Okay? Get that shit right. Dark energy, dark matter does not mean black. That's right. It means the dark. absence of all light. The absence exactly. of all light. So understand that shit. It's a big fucking difference. Okay? Big difference. But anyways. So Ravana is also symbolic of a Satesh. See, we've been taught oh Set Satesh was bad, he was evil, he was wrong, you know, he tried to take out a Sar and then he tried to take out uh hey, listen motherfuckers. First and foremost, understand something. Satesh Set was not the bad guy. First of all, Satesh was a desert dweller. He was made to dwell in the motherfucking desert. This is why at one time he was considered a desert nomadic god. Okay? Let's say, let's just hypothetically speak and say, you got fucking exiled and you were put in the desert to survive. These motherfuckers, though, are living in fucking paradise. You got the Nile River flowing like honey. You got motherfucking palm trees. You got some goddamn coconuts and all kinds of shit right there, right? You motherfucking in the desert. Would you be a little upset about that shit? I think so. Okay? Right. But anyways, not to twist the story, but symbolically that's what that, uh, Satech represented. And Satech really felt that Asar was not a, cut out to be a ruler. He felt that Asar was too much of peace, love, and light and motherfucking nice. Okay? And he felt Heru would take in the same footsteps. And regardless, you're looking at it in today's world from a perspective of benevolence. And you're looking at it as a, a perspective of peace, love, and light. So Tasha's right. looking at this shit like, you motherfuckers are soft. Okay? That's right. And your softness is going to cause this great country to motherfucking fall. Because... Outside of this great country, you have ruthless people all around here who are waiting to try to invade and take this over. Right. But I saw while you're up there in India and all these places cultivating and bringing civilization, those same motherfuckers are also planning to come back and get you. 
So you don't see this idea and this reality that, yeah, you're cultivating bringing civilization to other people, but some people don't like when you do that. I don't give a fuck if you think you're doing the right thing because there's a rule that I learned, okay, and this rule is called the second wizard's rule. It says when the greatest good can come the worst harm. You may be thinking you're doing something good, but the worst harm can be actually being produced from that good. Because some people will still say, well, okay, great, Asar gave us all this knowledge. Other people are like, we didn't want that shit. We were happy with our own shit. You understand? And then oh. also, and, and also in essence, with Seth, anytime we, we actually are a representation of that on a daily basis, you are Seth. Each and every individual is an aspect of Seth. Because anytime you decide to stand out on your own, go against the norm, make your own decisions, anytime you speak out against something that you may not agree with, where do you, what, what energy do you think that you're accessing when you do that? Ask yourself that question. Exactly. That's that. That's exactly. what you're accessing. And that's, that's an aspect that people do not understand. The tantric masters understood that. The serpent masters understood that shit. Motherfuckers today <laughs> want to be peace, love, and light, hugging trees, smoking trees, and fucking fairy tale bullshit. No, listen, man. Understand something. When you are met with your life being put in jeopardy, okay? And um, I told y'all to watch that movie on Netflix called The Circle, okay? I also, there's other movies that you really have to, to watch that are recommended after that movie. But there's this movie called The Colony that I just saw last night as well. Well, anyways, in the movie, people, when it comes to survival... All that peace, love, and light, kundalini and chakra shit goes out the door. If you're having to survive, you automatically flip into that primal, chaotic survival energy. And those other shits go out the door. So understand that what we're telling you is that as a chaos being, you contain the energy contain the primal chaotic energy, the original energy to create life. Chaos is that kinetic energy. It is that transforming energy. It is not stagnant. It is not stationary. It is not defined and is not put into order. But when you take that and how do you apply this to the deities? How do you connect that to the deities? First of all, in almost every culture on this planet, there's an original chaotic god or goddess archetypal energy. You go into India, Kali represents that. Okay? If you go into Kemet, you had a, quite a few. You had Anupu or Anup. Or Anubis, whatever, same shit. You have Satech, Set. You have Sekhmet. Don't forget that Sekhmet was not a nice motherfucker. Sekhmet was wild and vicious, just like Kali. And 
would destroy anything or anybody, including yourself, your false bullshit, your false lies, your false society and everything else that needs to be destroyed, that energy is represented in those deities or that archetypal energy. We're not talking to you about these deities as if they're fucking outside yourself floating around and fucking going to manifest themselves to you. And if they did manifest themselves to you, manifest it from your mind outward, not outward in. So get that shit out your head quick. These deities are these primal chaotic energy archetypes. And you have to learn how to work with that shit. Om Kali Ma is one mantra you can use. There's several for Kali. That's just one of the basics. But Kali is that dark energy. She is that energy of darkness and time. And what people don't understand is that when you want to overcome some obstacle inside you, you don't call on the motherfucking light beautiful, so pretty-ass deities. You really want to overcome some shit. You got to call on that dark energy, archetypal energy, to face the very darkness inside of you. To face your own bullshit, you have to be able to call on these beings. What I mean by beings is your higher self. Okay? And though your higher selves are an aspect of those archetypal energies called deities. Right. And, and when and you another, do it... Mm-hmm, go ahead, brother. And then another, another thing, uh, when you're speaking of Kali Ma, as you said, when you're, when you're activating this energy, that particular energy always does it, the old term we hear, trial by fire. It never does it. It just It's like taking somebody, for an example wanting to teach them how to swim, it would be just throwing them into the water. And it yep. teaches you trial by fire. And that's what transforms. Now, you mentioned something earlier. I want to back up uh, just a few, a couple of things before we continue because it's, it's a couple, you mentioned the serpent, number one. I'm going to talk about that real quick before we go forward. And then when we were talking about earlier the darkness, okay, and the melanin, when you were talking about the serotonin levels and the melanin, again, with melanated people, have to understand in the concept of melanin, it's, it's most activated in the darkest points of the night. Let's say that again. The dark, when the planet is in its most stage of darkness, which is between the hours of midnight and 4 a.m., that's when it's more activated. You'll find this out. And this is why when we were talking about earlier these different orders, there's always the dark brotherhood of set. There's the order of Anubis and the, the black brotherhood, the black sisterhood. This is done intentionally for that particular reason because you'll notice when you do the research and you study, and if you're actually part of these orders, you'll know even more, that they do their most spiritual and ritualistic work in the, in the, in the innermost points of the inner darkness of the chaos. That's when the energy is activated the most. So I don't want people to bypass that. The serpent, now you mentioned this. Let me show you how easy it is for the illusion and the veil to be put over the mind. Okay, now when you mentioned serpent earlier, we haven't even touched in on the power of the serpent, what it really represents. Now, here, here's the thing. When I say serpent, okay, don't, don't front and bullshit. Everybody's thinking about a snake. And if you are, you're completely wrong. Let me say that again. 
when I say serpent, first thing that comes to your mind is a snake. Don't lie. Don't bullshit and pretend your spirit's so deep and you bypassed it. They did that intentionally. I'm going to tell you why. The word serpent has nothing to do with what you call a snake. If you look it up, it's a Greek word. It just means to be crafty. Pay attention to that word, craft, crafty. What do they call the Masonic Lodge? The what? The craft. The craft. Okay. We'll make sure we're catching this now. It means to be very crafty, intelligent, wise, very beguiling. It's a Greek word. It has nothing to do with snakes. They, they associated and affiliated the definition of a serpent with the word snake. And then that's gotten passed down in history via religion in your snake in the garden story that the two have become synonymous. There's a trick in that. So the serpent is, has nothing to do with snake. So, again, if you're thinking snake, the trick works. This is, they, they use these tactics to create imagery, number one, and to stamp impressions, number two, on your subconscious mind. So now, once I can get in there, that's where the programming can begin. Now, here, another definition. Let's let the serpent. Let's finish on this. This also is coming from uh, alchemy and mysticism. Okay, what is what does the serpent really represent from an alchemist perspective? Okay, it says in the outer ring. Well, this for all the uh, you know the Hotep people. In the outer ring of this Egyptian time wheel, and when it's saying the time wheel, I'll create the vision because if you have this book, you'll see. It's a circle. This, this snake is in a circle, and its tail is in its mouth. Let's talk about this, what this really represents. Let me say that again. We talked about, Ravana Noon was talking about geometric shapes. This is, ties into the science of the circle. It, it depicts the snake in a circle, or what they would misinterpret and give the title serpent because of the attributes of the snake. So, again, they become synonymous, one with the other, vice versa, the other. So goes on to say, in the outer ring of this Egyptian time wheel, an attempt is made to harmonize the 360 degrees of the zodiac. Pay attention to this now. But we ain't even got into astrology yet, the motion of the planets, how that ties into working with these different archetype energies that we're discussing. It says the 360 degrees of the zodiac with the 360 days of our calendar. Among the Egyptians, the extra five days, were devoted to the birth of the gods in the New Year, the 12 months following the central reign, and within the snake of eternity connects the four gods, Sothis, which is equivalent to the constellation Sirius, Osiris, Isis, Osiris, and Horus. Each of them is the ruler of a great year. There's a lot of symbology here. Consisting of 365 earthly years, all told, they produce... 1,461 years, the amount of time between the moments when the year's first rise of Cyrus coincides with the sunrise. Okay, now it goes on to say this. According to more recent discoveries, the directional shaft in the queen's chamber in the pyramid of Cheops, some say Cheops, whatever you want to, is said to be aimed precisely at this fixed star, which was held to be the star of Asset or, or Isis. Now here's the, here's the funny thing. To the poor soul who wants to turn away from God, the devil shows his own image as the cycle of nature. In the form of a snake, the fire wheel of essence, he speaks, you too are such a fiery mercury as you introduce your desire into this art. But you must eat, here's the key, 
but you must eat from a fruit in which each of the four elements reacts within itself to the other with which it is in conflict. I'm going to explain what this means. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. I hope they're catching this. But you must first eat from a fruit in which each of the four elements reacts within itself to the other with which it is in conflict. Basically, you have to deal with the inner depths, all the stuff we talk about, the bullshit, the nonsense, in order to get past this stage of, of illusion and veil. One raises up the deity, and it says if you don't, this is the poor soul that turns away from deity and goes under the veil and the illusion of what your, your mind has created called, called the devil. Then listen how it finishes now. When the soul has eaten of it, Vulcan lights the firewheel of, es- es- fire of essence and all the qualities of nature awakened in the soul and guided it into its own pleasure and desire. So what this is basically saying, when you see, if you've ever seen this, this picture, you see the, the, the snake with the, with the tail in its mouth, it's trying to tell you, locked within that circle, the true essence of your nature and your soul, you have to confront it. You have to deal with every aspect of it, not just the shit that you like, not just the stuff that's appealing to you. And this is what we mean when we say, on, on so many past shows, people pick certain cultures and dogmas they like because they, they're comfortable with it, because it's an escape for them not to address the other side of their nature. Okay, they, they, they want to act as if that part isn't there. What this is telling you, and this, this is ancient Egyptian teaching. This is why I said earlier for all the Hotep wannabes, nobody talks about this in essence when they're teaching on ancient Egyptian doctrine. Everybody wants to just get into the historical aspect of it. Everybody just wants to talk about the greatness of the pyramids and blah, 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 and how great you were back in the day, yada, yada, yada. Nobody wants to get into this essence. These are the true teachings of who they call Asset or Isis Horus and Osiris. But the one deity they disconnect from that equation, which deals with the movement in nature, when, what this is basically saying, when this takes place in nature, it also creates a dimensional shift in you subconsciously. There's a reason for this. This is not just an astronomy or, 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 or an event charting the movement of the planet. It's trying to also explain to you what takes place within you, within the human psyche or what you call your soul, okay? Because there's one thing they leave out of there. The four gods that connect and activate the energy of what we call Cyrus or Sirius, right? That's what they mentioned up top, okay? This is why I said part of working with the deities, and as we've touched on the surface of it, is also understanding the motion and movement of the planet and what activates the energy of these archetypes deities. And in this instance, I brought this part up because we're, we're dealing with exclusively those three deities in this particular instance. So how can you really understand or claim to understand if you're looking at it from an, external, from an external aspect? Meaning, if you believe that you have a statue of one of these deities, as we've said a million times before, and you're, standing, and you're sitting in front of it and offering prayers and other nonsense, that's, again, we're back to another form of religion. And that's exactly what we're trying to dispel tonight and steer you away from. 
So one has to tie in all of these elements because, that's again, that's the title of the show, Working with the Archetype Energies. Now, some systems on how to do that. I mean, we're not, we don't have time to get in-depth and detail on all of them, but some systems in doing that, okay, in understanding, for an example, we're just using this one as a, as a small example, one would know if that was the motion and, and movement of the planet and there was that particular deity associated with that energy that's being activated at that time. That would be when you, want to, you would want to invoke that energy. This, this is how this works. Not just, again, uh, I like Egypt and I, I, I gravitate towards a particular deity and if I just mention that deity and if I just uh, light a candle for that deity or if I just do this for that, then that's it. That's all I got to do. And that, that would be called working with the deity. That's not the case. You're fooling yourself. If you think that that's what you're doing. Now, they'll never tell you that. And even these, all these hotep clowns that claim to be masters of Egypt and do all these lectures on, on and it ain't nothing but a bunch of history because they're not giving you any information that you can utilize to actually activate this energy and work with it. All they're giving you is a feel-good lecture telling you how great you were back in the day. And that's, that's pointless in 2016. Now, if that's where you're at, mentally, then that's fine. Then, like we said earlier, this ain't the show for you because we're not going to sit here and talk about for three hours how great you were back in Egypt. Another thing that, um, Brother Von, I want to talk about something you mentioned, no color. And a lot of people's downfall of not getting past, getting to that next level is they get caught up in the color in the race game. Let's talk about that for a minute. And I know, I know you want to believe it's, it's, it's black power, black lives matter, and all that. This is a trick and an illusion that they're using on you, too, to feed off your emotions. You also mentioned something earlier when we said chaos and order, light and darkness, even in the definitions we gave of chaos earlier, work simultaneously because they're the same thing. Let me show you how they're presenting that to you right now every day on TV. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> See? At the same time that they're sitting there promoting this order, America, the Constitution, the, uh, there's a government, and we're a democracy, they're throwing in your face. The, I just read an article before we started this show on the Daily News that David Duke is giving, again, homage to Donald Trump, comparing him to Hitler. Because there was a commercial put out. Now, they're doing this intentionally, and your dumbasses are getting sucked in, and you're getting all emotional about it because that's exactly what they want you to do. So simultaneously, they're throwing right in front of your face. They're, they're running this so-called presidential campaign telling you it's about law and order. It's about democracy. It's about freedom. It's about America. It's a great country. And now let me ask you a question. What, what, what other candidate that you can think of that ever ran for or was trying to run for president that had the Secret Service protecting him? Name me one. You name me one. After one small incident where he had a circle of Secret Service agents protecting him. Now, if you're not seeing what's going on right in front of your face, and like I said, man, the day, of, the day of Obama is gone. For all you people that thought when he got elected eight years ago, you had all, all the black cones celebrating like, like the problem for melanated people was over. You all don't have no idea what's getting ready to happen. Trust me when I tell you that. Okay, because now they're about to do the switcheroo on you. You thought George Bush was bad? <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. And I keep, I've been telling people that for the last four years, okay? You get, you're, seeing, you're seeing order and chaos simultaneously right in front of your face, but you're so yeah. emotional about it. 
that you're not paying attention to it. You're getting caught up in the emotion part of it. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like this one. I like that one. I don't like this one. So let me ask you a question. When you speak out against your personal dislike for Donald Trump, is that the horrorous nature in you or is that the set nature in you? Because did not, <laughs> did, not, did not set do the same thing? See, here's the funny thing. People will point the finger and will accuse somebody else who doesn't go along with, like you said earlier, Brother Ivana Noon, doesn't get information, right? And now they just put a song out, right, Beyonce, get information, right? There's a whole other fucking sign behind that. When you don't go in agreement with it, if you speak out against it, it's okay. But when somebody else do it, that same person is quick to point the finger at that person. That's called being a hypocrite. So what access, what deity, what part of your, your subconscious mind do you think you're act, activating when you speak out against something that you don't personally agree with? Is that any different when you read the symbolic story of Set, who wasn't in agreement with the, the rule and the system of order that was set up in Egypt? Because like you said, he thought it was too soft, it was too controlling, and he felt that no being should have worshipped anything or anybody. Everybody should have stood on their own. And in, in their own right mind, they were all equal as far as deity was concerned. Yep. That's basically what Seth was, was, was trying to promote. So now the bottom line is this. How is that different today when you say you don't agree with Christianity? What force or energy do you think you're activating? When you, when you, when you, if you say you don't believe in it and it's wrong, you're activating that Sethian energy, whether you, whether you understand that or not. So understand what the stories really represent. And again, like I said earlier, you got all these, you got all these people on YouTube, blog talk, teaching about the Illuminati and the devil. First of all, there's no such thing as the devil. It's a fabric of your imagination. Get that shit out your head. Yep. If you still, if you're still in that mindset, you'll never understand what this is really all about. As long as they can keep pumping into your mind that there's this fictitious being called the devil, and he exists, and notice how they say he exists. And he has some type of control over your mind. This is part. This this is part of the plan. Part of the illusion. As easy as I just said, when we when I said the word serpent earlier, do not front like everybody didn't think of a snake. Okay, if you did, you're you're full of shit. Okay, so that's how easy it is to create the veil of illusion. Now masonry, we mentioned earlier, masonry and the craft. We use that term craft. And what's the term that they say in masonry? It's, it's all communicated through allegory and symbol. Anybody that's a Mason knows that. We're Masons, so we know that. We travel through the lodge, and it might be people listening to the show that have traveled through the lodge. It's called the craft, and it's revealed through allegory and symbols. Okay? This is, again, all part of this process and understanding the chaos. Now, also, in the lodge, here's the other deep thing, all you Masonic brothers that really don't pay attention, because they can't give you the secrets. And like I told you all before, the greatest secret or that big secret that you're seeking, you know what that secret is? There is no secret. Because the secret they got to keep on you is that there's some secret you continuously are searching for that doesn't exist. That's the problem. And that secret that doesn't exist is peace and order and organization. It's an illusion. So you spend your whole life searching for this from the time you're born until the time you die, and you die not even getting the secret. And they keep creating the illusion that you have to do this to get the secret. Then when you do that, okay, now you did that. Now you need to attain this certain level of information and do this to get the secret. And then you keep going through these stages, finding out that the only secret 
that you really needed to know existed within yourself, not outside of yourself. So you spend your whole life going outside of yourself chasing things that are not real. They don't even exist. It's fabricated. It's a lie. But you have to figure this out on your own. Nobody can teach this to you. You have to figure this out on your own. So these, these are the things they don't wanna, want, want you to line up with. These are the things they don't want you to understand because it's easier and quicker just to say, okay, if you do this, this is your reward at the end, religion. If you don't do this, then guess what's going to happen to you? So what that does now is instill in your mind fear. And fear is the number one tool, we've said this a million times on the show, that they use to control your emotions. So if I can instill fear in you on a daily basis, whether it's through the media, whether it's through religion, whether it's through politics, whether it's through government, they're, putting, they're trying to create a, a, a nationwide state of fear right now. Because look at, you, you, I mean, you look on TV, you look at this, this presidential debate, it's a fucking circus. Yep. It's, it's a circus. It's, it's like one big show. It's not even, it's, it's like watching um, reality TV. Yep. You've never seen this before. Pay attention to it. So I wanted to touch on those couple of things uh, moving forward. Now, let's, let's get into, if we could, let's talk a little bit about symbols. Um, because symbols now, working with deities, we can talk a little bit about symbols, colors, and the importance of utilizing that when working with some of these deities. Because as we notice in, in all of these, whether it's uh, Egypt, whether it's the Aruba, uh, whether it's Native American culture, whether it's Dravidian culture, whether it's Hindu culture, there's always symbols, colors, that are always associated with these deities, and it's not for naught. There's a reason for it. Let's talk a little bit about that now. Um, so let's get into a little bit about that. Um, you mentioned earlier, for an example, let's let's go back to India and let's talk about the deity uh, Kalima real quick. Um, sure. Let's talk about some some of the symbols that are affiliated with Kalima. Sure. Well, first of all, let's 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 go here. All right. Um, A Sri Yantra, spelled S-R-I, Sri, and then Yantra. A Sri Yantra is a symbol, almost like a mandala. It's a symbol that contains triangles, squares, and circles, and a point. Kali has a Sri Yantra, a symbol. That Sri Yantra is the male and female energy activated within self and taking that energy to the bindu, also known as the point, the black dot, and using that to transform yourself. Now, what's important about this is that the Sri Yantra is a symbol that is very motherfucking powerful. You're supposed to use this to meditate. You're supposed to use this for different kind of work. Now, I'm going to just share this real quick. This is from a book called Modern Tantra by Living, I mean, Modern Tantra by Donald Craig. And it says, beginning magical work with the Sri Yantra. In the Sri Yantra tradition, every aspect and every part of the body is sacred. By looking at and meditating upon a part of the body represented by a Devi or Diva, 
or minor goddess or god, you can create change in the beginning system. That is exactly what you do. Now, there's different steps. You're supposed to do the banishing, right? And there's different ways to banish in different traditions. And I'll let Brother Beniti go over that. But then step two, focus on the issue you wish to deal with when you're meditating on this symbol. In the outer lotus of that symbol, you start at the bottom and move counterclockwise. The petals represent the following. The five elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether. The five senses, hearing, touch, seeing, taste, smelling. The parts capable of grasping, the mouth, the feet, the hands. And three more associations, the anus, the genitals, and the changing of the mind. Mm. So, let's start with the eight-petal lotus part of that symbol. Associations for the eight-pointed, eight-petal lotus also begin at the bottom and go counterclockwise. Not clockwise, counterclockwise. Notice, a lot of traditions have you go clockwise, but they never have you go counterclockwise. Because when you go counterclockwise, you're actually activating an inward motion. Hmm. I don't tell you that shit, but that's an inward motion that activates that primal chaotic energy. So anyways, they are speaking, taking, going, excreting, enjoying, re- rejecting, accepting, and ignoring. The use of elemental magic can be very powerful. Here are some associations that will give you information on which element is good for various purposes when you're using the Sri Yantra. And I'm talking specifically about the Kali Sri Yantra. Look it up. If you ain't never seen a damn symbol, look it up. Google it. You Google uh, Facebook gurus, Google it. I don't have time to uh, answer what the symbol looks like. You can find it yourself. But first of all, when you deal with air, you're dealing with things such as schooling, memory, intellectualism, teaching, tests, divination, communications, travel, writing, organizing, organizations, groups of all kinds, theorizing, and even drug addictions, okay? Earth, money, jobs, promotion, business, investment, material objects, fertility, agriculture, health food, ecology, conservation, stock market, antiquities, on and on and on. Fire, for fire you deal with success, sex, passion, banishing some illnesses, uh, banishing some illnesses, military, conflicts, protection, courts, law, police, sheriffs, agencies, on and on and on. Water, higher forms of love, and a deeper emotion such as compassion, etc., etc. Also, friendship, partnerships, unions of any kind, affection. And then with ether, also known as akasha or spirit, spirituality, the divine, magic, change, transformation, alchemy, unification, balance, and the soul. Now notice that some of the things that were listed were duplicated because everything is interconnected and everything works with everything else. So some of these things were duplicated, repeated, because they can work with manifestations in different elemental uh, energy, okay? Now, when we do this, we also have to take into account step three. Once you have established your focus on appropriate pedal for the issue at hand, respectfully go inward and you connect with the god or goddess archetypal energy within yourself, and you start dealing with the appropriate issue. For example, you uh, start asking, and some people say, well, you're asking the deity. Really what you're doing is asking the higher self, that aspect of your higher self that is associated with that archetypal energy. 
In this case, we're dealing with Kali, and Kali represents the destroyer. What is she destroying? She's destroying your bullshit, okay? That false bullshit, that false morality, that false religious dogma, that false society um, system of control. She destroys all of that. So then you be quiet and listen. The response may come immediately in a dream or over time. Be open and ready to accept what you learn. Step four, if you don't have any sticks of incense burning, light one, if that's what you choose. If not, you don't need to. Take a stick of incense and wave it clockwise, circular, three times in front of the image of the Sri Yantra. Step five, banish the area again. That's how it works. It's that simple. Now, that's just one person's perspective. And in the very information I was reading from that book, he'll tell you that's your pers- that's his perspective. That he's not the authority and this is the one rule. There's your rule and how you feel you can work with this. Why do that's I right. mention this? The Sri Yantra itself is symbolic of the chaotic energy of creation. It's symbolic of manifestation of male female energy or androgyny uniting it into one point, the bindu, taking the male-female delusional aspects of separation into one aspect of androgyny. And that takes you into the bindu, which is the black dot, or the point, which is the chaos where everything started pulsating, vibrating, and moving from. That's chaos. When you go into that point, you're bringing in the masculine and the feminine. You're taking the shakti energy, Kali energy from the ground or the root chakra rising it up and it's meeting the conscious energy or universal conscious energy which is the Shiva energy which is came, coming from the cosmic down and is uniting in the Bindu or the pineal gland area. The DMT, as we already said, is activated in the dark, not the motherfucking light. It's activated in the dark. And when you get to that point, you should have steered away, chopped away, chopped off, which is why Kali carries a sword, chopped off all the delusional aspects of yourself, all the false creations, all the wounds, traumas, pain, shit of yourself, before Shiva and Shakti meet in the Bindu and activate that chaotic primal energy. Right. Now, what's interesting is that that's the Hindu concept, okay, or the Dravidian or Indian concept. In African concepts, you have pretty much the same thing, although it's been so religiousized and fucking uh, superstitiousized, I should say, that it loses its core essence a lot today. What do I mean by that? Many times, let's say if you're dealing with Yoruba and you have... Um, a male Orisha as your ruling Orisha, you also usually have a feminine counterpart to that Orisha, that word which is your minor Orisha. You always have a female, male, female. Exactly. One, dom- one dominates, though. One, exactly. you, you, one dominates you, you, the other. Yeah. But, however, you have to have both because in Africa they also understood that the male and female energies have to come together. That's right. It's not rocket science, people. They have to come together and work together. Now, when you have this energy come together, it is considered bringing the highest self or the highest aspect of those deities within yourself. 
Now, here's what's interesting. You have, let's say, you have the drum. Is drum peace or chaos? I'm going to ask the drummer, Beniti, on the show, is drumming peace or chaos? Pure chaos. Why? Reason why it's pure chaos is when if, and you, again, we're talking about the Yoruba, for an example. If you have what they call in Yoruba the Bata drummers, B-A-T-A. Bata drummers are specifically initiated in playing certain rhythms which, which activate the archetype energies of the Orishas. What, what happens, for an example, if you want to see pure chaos, when the Bata drummers play for Ogun and the warrior aspect of Ogun comes down, it's, it's very aggressive. It's, it hasn't, it's not peaceful. It's very aggressive, straight to the point, because what's happening is most of these archetype energies, when they come through, in order for them to come through, a certain buildup has to be done. A vibrational uh, frequency has to be created, and it's tremendous. And when it's created and it reaches to, it, to the point where it's heightened so great, that's when the deities incarnate. So they incarnate in our birth through the chaos, not the peace. There's no, there's no light tapping and, and singing kumbaya. That's not what brings these, these archetype energies down. What brings them down is the aggressive rhythm. And there's different now, uh, again, in understanding the drums, since you bring that up, there's different drums that initiate different sounds. Exactly. Uh, that's very important to understand, too, because when people just talk about the drums, and this is why, like I said, when you mentioned the bata drummers, they have to be completely knowledgeable in all aspects of that. And they have to go through a system of initiation if that's the path they choose, if they exclusively want to be high priest and playing the drums to bring down these deities. Right. So one has to be educated on all of those facets. So it's pure chaos. It has nothing to do with peace. And anybody that's a practitioner of it, seen it, witnessed it, knows what I'm talking about. If you don't, and you're just a book reader, and you're going based on opinion and what people told you. If you really want to see it, for, yeah. If you really want to see it for yourself, you don't. You don't have to be initiated to go. You can find when there's a bende for an orishi and attend it, and you'll see it for yourself. There's no culture that it's done in in, in other peace. So it's definitely chaos. Exactly, and the reason I bring that up is because what people don't understand is that the drum. The drums, especially the bata drums for the Yoruba tradition of the Orisha tradition, or Osha, or all the goddamn names y'all created today, whatever. <laughs> that tradition focuses the rhythms on hitting the hips of the body. Because the main focus, which is unspoken of because many in those traditions are so religious they don't understand the esoteric side, is that it's basically focusing on raising the chaotic serpent energy. That's right. And the East is known as Kundalini. To the Mayans, it was known as Kufalini. Whatever the case is, it focuses on raising that energy. When Kundalini is raised, the serpent energy is raised, there's nothing peaceful about it. If you motherfuckers raised Kundalini and you had nothing but peace, joy, and love, that wasn't Kundalini. That's right. That was a different state, usually called Samadhi. Samadhi is a state of tranquility, a state of bliss. It's 
different. Kundalini is not fucking nice. Kundalini is going to break through and rip open anything that is obstructing its path. That's not a nice process. Okay? So understand that when you go into the African traditions, that focus of bringing the mem- uh, masculine and feminine energy together is utilized through the rituals of the drum. The drum rhythm in itself is chaotic. The four, 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 six, four, eight, whatever rhythm or pattern is specifically for that orisha or for that uh, actual dance of the orisha, it is chaotic. And this right. is why we keep focusing on this because what we've noticed is that in this show, through our experiences, through many years of studying, living and experiencing these things. We notice that people always like to pick the beautiful, cute, light side of everything. I'll give you an example. Kali, the image depicted of Kali today is really the false image. Let me tell you something. The original image of Kali is black skin. Her hair is matted, almost like in locks. Her titties are showing. Her pussy is showing. Okay? Everything is showing and is not covered. Everything is not looking pretty where the skulls just happened to fall over her breast. Bullshit. All that shit was exposed. All that shit was showing the primal energy and primal existence. Ain't none cute about that shit. Okay? Right. And Kali, when the fervor or the energy of Kali rises, it is chaotic. It is a destructive force. But it's channeled by your will, how you want it to go. So when you're working with the deities, the energies, whether it's Kali, Sekma, whatever fuck you want to call on, which is really calling on your chaotic self, your primal self, you have to use your will to direct that energy. Because that is the purpose of raising the energies, to use it to for whatever aspect you need or think you need. Usually, though, when you go into the deeper esoteric meanings of these deities, that chaotic energies was used to destroy your own bullshit, to destroy your false sense of self. It was used to destroy your illusions, your delusions, your chaos, your pain, your trauma. It was used to destroy that aspect. And this is why those rituals were always associated with darkness and fire. Darkness and fire and the other aspect that took place in some of these rituals was a serpent. That's right. Interesting. Now, I know we've made fun of this and poked fun of these things, um, how in some African sex rituals they take the serpent and put it inside the woman's vagina. But now let's look at the esoteric purpose behind that. The esoteric purpose behind that was activating that chaotic energy from her womb to raise the kundalini energy to heal any infertilities or st- and, and things of that nature that caused her not to be fertile. Okay? So everything was done from the aspect of going into that chaotic aspect of creation, the chaotic aspect of self. In chaos, In chaos, there is no male or female. 
you motherfuckers want to think so, because you motherfuckers are stuck on this, you know, black goddess and pussy worship and all this bullshit. Let me tell you something. In this motherfucking universe, the dark matter, dark energy, simultaneously that shit is existing. The matter that you see or can see because it's not really seen, but the visible aspect, what you can see, is looks like sperm cultivating the energy. This shit is simultaneously in the universe. This is why in this earth, simultaneously, everything is androgyny at once, separated into two, because you need to have both aspects merge back into one. The, the reality is, though, that we unfortunately are stuck on color. I know many matter cultists on Facebook and, and real life and everything else, and they be dropping some jewels, some serious shit. But yeah, some way, somehow, it always circles back around to blackness, supreme, melanated, God shit, bullshit. And the reason why I bring that up is to say that what I'm starting to realize is we're stuck on stupid as a people. When you're dealing with a lot of this energy and you're dealing with darkness, I'm saying just darkness itself, there is no, I'm going to repeat this, there is no color, race, nationality, ethnicity, gender in darkness. I'm not talking about in shadows. Shadow is not darkness. It's a stage of darkness. It's not darkness. It's an aspect of darkness because the shadows form from a reflection of light at an angle that creates a shadow. But what's interesting is that the sun sits in darkness. The moon sits in darkness. And the planet Earth sits in darkness. So no matter if light is shining, the dark is still ever-present. Okay? This is beyond melanin. And I don't mean melanin as all this cosmic dust and the listen motherfucker. Cosmic dust. <laughs> yes, this is what is this is what the new shit did for Negroes. Melanin yeah. is cosmic dust. Yeah. My nuts are cosmic dust. Yeah. How do you like yeah. them apples? But anyways so <laughs> this cosmic dust, so called melanin, is really referring to your neural melanin. Neuro, not Nero as in skin. Neuro as in your uh, mind. Neurology as in your mind, your brain. That's right. Brain melanin. Right. This is the aspect that neuro, that melanin is really referring to when people boast and brag about melanin. This aspect is really referring to when you want to talk about melanin, it's called neuromelanin. That melanin that coats, secretes all glands within your body. And that neuromelanin takes in photon energy. Photons are considered light energy, okay? It takes in this energy and assimilates it as information or knowledge or or some level brother, of knowledge or brother understanding. Brother Ravana, when you said it takes in light, let's 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 clarify because let's let's even go back to when we had we've had uh, Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum on the show. Remember, it's dark light. That 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 what we're talking about is that dark light consciousness, which is that dark matter. When we say light, we got to get also out of our mind. We think of light illumination. 
it's talking about intellect because the neuro, as you mentioned, the neuro dealing with the brain or neurology, absorbing that photon energy. That photon energy, or as you as you termed it correctly, light, is that dark light consciousness. That's 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 exactly why we have Doctor Ever find him on the show in the past to kind of break that down. So that photon energy, you're you're tapping in again to that dark chaotic energy. That is really the light is really intellect, and that. When you, again, when you go back into the Masonic Mysteries, and we've talked about this before on the show, brother, you're, you're paraded around all four corners of the lodge, blindfolded, and you're at your heightened spiritual sense when you're blindfolded because the intellect or that dark light matter kicks in at its high frequency when the blindfold is on. Then when you're brought into the light, especially on the first degree and the first degree, and the blindfold is removed, you're blinded for a brief second because it takes you a minute for the eyes to adjust. Because when you were in that state of dark chaos, you were completely relying on the intellect because your higher senses kicked in and you were using your hearing, the mind. Your, the mind was registering all the sounds around you. And you probably can relate to this a little more if you've been through a lot, but I'm sure it's common sense. You can grasp what we're talking about. And the funniest thing about it is, and I realized this afterwards, as, as we furthered our studies, they don't do any work in the north part of the lodge, right? And they say the north represents darkness. And it's funny how no work is done from the north because everything is birthed out of that darkness and chaos. They don't tell you what it represents. They just tell you it's darkness and nothing is done out of the north. And all this is done, again, when you mentioned earlier about them, in the very beginning of the show, within a square, Okay. And you hear the Masons, well, we say, and if you're a Mason, you need to stand firm on your square. It's the four corners of the lodge, north, south, east, west. Each, each corner of that lodge has an officer at each station that you have to make a circumference or a circumference or a, a whole, like a, like a uh, uh, what you would call a procession. You go to each corner until you get to the east, where they say the light or the intellect is in the east. And in the east sits the worshipful master, and behind the worshipful master is the great light. Some show it as the geometric G. And you heard Brother Vanu mention earlier sacred geometry. Okay, and that, there's a whole science on that in the Masonic studies. Um, so a lot of it, too, you're going to find from alchemy, magic, mysticism. Uh, this is what the Masonic Lodge, this is what the Rosicrucian Lodge, this is what these sacred orders are built on. Even when you get into the brotherhoods that we mentioned earlier in the sisterhood, the order of Set or Satuk, or, or the Dark Brotherhood, the, dark, the order of Anubu or Anubis, okay? They dealt with these mysteries, stuff that wasn't taught as so common on the surface because not all initiates or neophytes were ready for that level of information. So they went into the darkness or the chaos and imparted these mysteries on the initiate or the neophyte. This is what this is about. And like I mentioned earlier, you'll notice, especially in the Christian faith, when somebody dies, everybody wears black to a funeral. But when you turn around and ask them, where in the Bible or any of your religious rites can that be found? And that comes from dealing with this deity Anubu who is connected to the, 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 the realm of what we call the physically deceased and connecting them to the afterlife, right? symbolic. You're just using the term to gravitate to it. So what they're actually doing 
if you're a Christian and every time you wear black to a funeral, you're actually activating the Anubu energy, whether you're conscious of it or not. And they know this. They ain't going to tell you that. Ask them, too, why when you go, if, you're a, if you've been a Catholic or you know Catholics or you used to be a Catholic or you are a Catholic, why is it when the priest is not wearing his, his uh, shawl and his full priest attire when he does a mass, anytime he's not in that, what do you always see a Catholic priest in? All black. He's always wearing a black shirt, black pants. He has a white collar by the throat, which symbolizes something else. Okay? There's a reason for all this. They, they know about a lot of these sacred orders because the Catholic Church is built upon Egyptian mysteries anyway. It's built on all these, all these orders that we're talking about tonight, all these dark brotherhoods. And if you really pay close attention, it goes back to, if you, if you, again, if you have to really study, you can go into the catechism of the Catholic Church. They say their priesthood is found on the order of Melchizedek. Okay? And they take that from Genesis 14, 18, where they say Melchizedek brought forth wine when Abraham came back from war and he offered tenth of everything he had. This is where you get your 10% of tithing from, which is also mentioned in Hebrews. But it's an Old Testament law, so all you fools going to church, giving all your money up, that's Old Testament law. And these same people claim that by the blood of Christ, we're not under the old laws no more. You were, you were bathed in the blood of Christ in the new covenant. So why are you still giving 10% of your money up? That's the Old Testament law. That's number one. Number two, when you trace the character back, or who they call Melchizedek in the Bible, who this priesthood is supposed, the Catholic priesthood is modeled after, because if you listen to the Mass closely, you go into the rites, they acknowledge Melchizedek in those Eucharistic rites. There's four of them, one, two, three, and four. Go look them up, go read them. They trace their priesthood back to Melchizedek. Why? There's another thing you need to go look up, and then we'll tie it back into Egypt and some of these dark orders. It'll show you in their New Testament. It says, Christ also not glorified himself, but he was a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, let's stop there and back up, because I don't want to get into the religion aspect of it. I'm just throwing that out because we want to back up into these sacred orders that we're talking about. Now, I find it odd, and again, I've got a million different interpretations on it. I've had people say, the Jehovah Witnesses will say Melchizedek is Jesus. That's impossible when you read your, when you read your Bible. It can't be. Because it says Christ was a priest after Melchizedek. So who is, what is this Melchizedek? Who does it represent? And what authority does this specific deity have over so-called the highest deity in Christianity? Well, let's leave Christianity now. Let's go back into some of these Dravidian cultures that we were talking about. Let's go back into ancient Egypt. And let's even go back into, if you go back into Sumerian culture, you could go back into the Orishi culture. Now, you'll find out that this deity, you can trace it back to whether you want to call it Merduk in, in, in Samaria, whether you want to call it Ra in ancient Egypt. And that's another thing that's happened with the Hotep Negroes. You know, Ra has become like high te- uh, the most high god. And it gets me sick to my stomach when I hear these conscious Negroes sit there saying the most high. And they're supposed to be spiritual and conscious, and they say the most high. And then my, my simple response is the most high of who and what? And where is the most high? And there's no logical explanation for it because, again, we're back to outside confirmation of things that can't be proven. So what that actually represented, when you go back into all of these different orders that we've been talking about, I know we've thrown a lot and we've talked about a lot, and Brother Ramon just threw a bunch out there. 
when we're talking about some of the deities, like we were mentioning Kali Ma. And as, as, as he described it earlier, a few minutes ago, deals with dark, chaotic energy, right? The darkness, dark goddess, dark, magical energy. Do the research. You can pull it up. And what this always did, these orders, and that's why I took you up to very modern-day Christianity, there's always a sacred order. In, in, in the Book of Hebrews, it was the order of Melchizedek, but nobody knows what that order really taught. All these orders taught the same thing, what we're talking about tonight. So you can find it in, your, in modern day, as recent as your Bible, way on back to ancient Egypt, but nobody ever gets into the intricate mysteries of what these orders really talk. You hear us also talking about the assassin order. We've talked about the Sith slash dark lords. All of these orders, again, were to teach you to tap into that dark, chaotic energy, which is the divine potential of yourself. Because, again, as we're giving you a multitude of descriptions of what that represents to the subconscious mind, it has no boundaries. Now, let's go back again. I'm going to flip back to the Bible. What does it say about Melchizedek? It has no beginning, no end, no father, no mother, no point of origin. We say that again. See, people look at it as a literal character because they get caught up in the story of it, the religious fabrication of it. But what that was really telling you, we hear people say Christ consciousness, but I don't think we understand what that really means. You hear the, the metaphysical community say that. Well, well, really, what Christ is is the Christ consciousness that one has to raise themselves up to the divinity of. But you're getting a representation of it in the interconnection of the fictitious character Jesus and the character Melchizedek. It's trying to tell you he was a manifestation out of that chaos because he was a high, he was an initiate of that order. And then when you go to the definition of what they claim Melchizedek was, there's no record, no genealogy, no beginning, no end, no mother, no father, no beginning of days. That's the dark, chaotic energy. That's what all these orders were teaching and are still teaching, and those that are mastering these principles are now raising themselves up. When we say creating your own spiritual path, you hear us say that. Well, this is what it means. And like Ravana Noon was giving you the, some of the uh, methodologies of working with Kali Ma. From, from some of the precepts from the information he was reading, like he, the key, and I hope you didn't miss that, he said that is that individual's perspective or how that individual perceived it. And you heard me say in the very beginning of the show, when we go over these concepts tonight, there's not one exclusive way that's correct to activate working with these deities. One has to create their own path by doing the research, number one. That's where the information in the books come in. This is where that, that's the part that involves the book study, the research. But once you have the knowledge and the information and you have the intellect, then step two, which we're trying, the purpose of this show tonight to try to get you to, is now creating your own technique, your own path, and your own systems that are going to work for you. Because we did the two shows prior to this was what? Tapping into your DNA connection with your ancestors. reason why we did that prior to this show was because everybody's DNA connection to their ancestors is going to dictate the type of path that they create. Because as you heard over the last several weeks when we had Dr. Valentine on and last week when we did a continuation of it, you heard Ravana Noon give his background. We were talking about some of our backgrounds and experiences. Notice how there were similarities, but yet they were very different. Let me say that again. There was similar, well, let's say this, what appeared to be similarities because of the path that were being traveled, but in the, in the long run, it was really all the same thing. I hope you caught that. 
because it's all interconnected what we're talking about tonight. So your DNA connection was supposed to awaken you to the fact of how you're supposed to create your past. Because if you have a lot of Native American ancestry, you might use a lot of Native American principles and deities to create your path. If you're connected to West African tradition, you might migrate there, vice versa. That was the importance of doing those shows to educate you uh, on how to create your path. We weren't telling you how you needed to do it because you're supposed to come to that realization. That's what this is about. So all of this is interconnected. You can look as modern day as, your, as, as, as modern day religions, and you can take this on back as far as we're going back in the Dravidian culture in Africa, on back into what they call Egypt today. It's all connected. It's right it's smack right there in front of your face. They're not, they're not hiding this, but the problem is people see what they want to see. We choose what we want to choose, and then we gravitate towards what we like, and we act as if the rest of it doesn't exist. That's the problem. And it all comes together. You can't separate the two. And, again, hermetic principles. You'll hear it all the time. We've basically gotten in depth. We've talked about gender. There is no gender when dealing with spirituality. Because when you go back into ether, we mentioned the four elements, when, when you're back in etheric or vital life force state, gender is non-existent. Master your doctrine of gender. Polarity, we talked about that. We talked about vibrations. What you're terming good and bad, God, devil, are just varying degrees of vibrational energy. And it's how the individual perceives it. It's how they define it. Okay, that's it. And, the, of course, core principle, which connects all this, the fir- very first principle. All is mental. Mental is all. You are your thoughts. What you think, you become. So if you think that something exists and you so hardly believe it, that's what real faith is. If you think that there's a devil, then there is a devil to you. If you think that there is a God and how you depict that God and how you create that God in your mind, that's how that God exists to you. But here's the problem. When people try to externalize that outside of themselves and impart that ideology on somebody else, that's where the problem comes in. That's right. Page, that's where it comes in. Let me, let me continue on that route with the deities and the way you're taking it because I want to add on a different aspect that's related to everything we just said. Let's deal with the color. The color of these de- energies, the archetypal energies. Very important to understand. And I, I, I wanna, I'm going to take it different steps. But when you think of... All right, when you watch the movie The Matrix, there's a certain scene, right, where Morpheus is walking with Neo, and they're walking through the city. It's a, a scene in the city where they're walking. And he's telling Neil that anybody in the Matrix, because they haven't woken up, can be your enemy, right? And all of a sudden, you see a lady dressed in what color walk by. She's dressed in a red dress. And Neil finds himself looking at her. Everybody's dressed in black. Notice this scene now. Everybody's dressed in black. All of a sudden, this woman in red walks by. And when she walks by, Neil turns and looks, and then he said, are you paying attention, Neil? And he said, yeah. And then he said, look again. And that lady turned into an agent, right? It was a training program. I bring that up because when you notice in this society, in these elitists in this society, 
when a woman wants to seduce a man, what color does she wear? Red. And when she wants to be power or show power, she wears black. Notice that when you see these women depicted in movies and shows and a lot of different things, the two dominant colors they wear is black and red. Right. That's important to understand because when they're wearing black, they're representing power and control. They represent that chaotic energy and the power that you gain to control that and to control society, control others, to control the, the weak-minded, anything. It's always depicted in black. But when you want to use red, that is when you want to seduce somebody. Now, I bring this up because when you deal with chaos, chaotic energy, chaotic energy deals a lot with the aspect of the power of seduction. It deals a lot with the aspect of the power of the mind. And it's important to understand these things because we're not just telling you these things to sound deep or heavy. We're telling you these things from experience and to, through practice and things of that nature. When you're working with these deities, whatever it is that you're trying to work with, whatever aspect you're trying to tap into yourself, you have to be aware of that. If you're trying to um, tap into cultivating more power, self-control, more self-confidence, more power in yourself, and you're tapping into these chaotic energies to cultivate and then bring that forth, you usually would use the color black or red, okay, because red also represents the passion, okay? Red also represents the grounding. You have to be grounded because if you're not grounded and you're trying to become powerful, your power becomes kind of um, out of control, okay? So you got to understand these things. The reason why that's important is because when you look at history, when you look at movies, when you look at different things, right, they always depict women, women or women, they always depict them um, the sexiest, the most curvaceous, the most voluptuous. In movies, they always depict these women in dark scenes. You ain't never noticed that that they always would depict these women dancing in a dark scene, even though candlelight may be on or whatever the case may be, they're always in a dark scene, right? And they're showing you subtly in that scene that women by nature are dark beings. What does that mean? By nature, you are an inward being. That means you dwell in the darkness all the time. Your womb is in the dark. It's not in the light. But notice that when they show males, the weak males are dominated by the light, meaning they're controlled by the light, right? But the strong males, they always show them as warriors of the night. Why is that? Because they understand that there's something primal, something strong that is brought forth in the night, our ancient African rituals, when the warriors were getting prepared for war, the rituals took place in the night. They had the drumming, they had the fire, they had the chanting, and they brought the warrior to a fervor, a high pitch, a passionate fervor, and they were ready for war. But they went through a magic ritual in the dark. 
That is because they were activating that darkness inside, that chaos inside, because war is not peace. War is chaos. You bring the chaotic energy to a war. You don't bring peace to a war. Okay? So when I, sh- I, I bring this up is because we have to understand this. When we're dealing with chaos, do not listen to what we're saying in a systematic mora- mor- uh, morality um, form of indoctrination that you've been under. Because what probably happening to some of y'all while we're saying this, you're fighting it. You're fighting it the whole time that you're listening to us and hearing us. You're fighting it, and that's because that's the light side of you that wants to stay blinded, wants to stay under control, wants to stay under domination of somebody dominating you, that wants to fight this and wants to so bad destroy what we're saying. But the reason why some of y'all don't say nothing is because there's this part inside of you that says, damn, a lot of this shit is on point. In some way, somehow, I always kind of knew that shit. But the fear, as Brother Benitez said earlier, the fear is what keeps you from speaking up, from speaking out, and from taking control of your life. I bring this all because I'm trying to tie it into one thing, and well, several things. Remember originally in the show I said that tantric, the tantric, they deal the primal, the, the most powerful god, goddess, archetypal energy in the tantric system is Kali. Okay? Understand this. Um, when you are in a system that says everything is A, B, C, and D, this is how everything is, this is how it should be, and you don't contest that, you're nothing more than a slave. So if you're fighting against what we're saying, that's the slave mind inside of you still fighting to stay under the slave system instead of allowing the true side of you, the primal side, to come forth and say, you know what, that's true. And I'm going to use this as an example. And this comes from the modern tantra book, but I've shared this way before this book with a lot of people. What is the number one failure in relationships is that people have this mindset of mine, M-I-N-E, not M-I-N-D, mine. You belong to me. Listen to this now. This is getting into some shit. When he dropped this in the book, I have been saying this to people for a long time. We have an aspect in a in a thought process, in a relationship, that when I get with somebody, they're mine, my possession. You know what the problem is with that? Nobody belongs to anybody. You share with each other. You don't control people. Because mine then creates expectations. Well, if you're mine, I expect you to be like this. And I don't mean that you shouldn't have expectations. I'm saying unrealistic expectations. Okay? This is important to understand because when you're in a relationship, a relationship represents chaos. When you argue, that's chaos. When your mate comes down on you, that's chaos. Because they're t- they're taking 
that tranquil behavioral uh, pattern that you created for yourself, and they're challenging it. And in that moment, your your anger, your frustration, whatever comes out, but it comes out because your whole system has been challenged and is now brought up uh, in the court. Let's say it's brought up to the court, and now you have you feel like you have to defend yourself. But there's a subconscious part of you that's listening to what your mate is saying and is realizing, you know, this motherfucker is probably right, you know, or could possibly be right that I'm too comfortable in my ways and not willing to challenge myself to push myself, okay? So when we're in a relationship, you think that other partner belongs to you, and I mean in every aspect, mentally, physically, spiritually, which means you feel you can do anything you want to that person, which is what a lot of y'all do in relationships, okay? Now, I want to I wanna ask the brothers on the show, then the sisters on the show. Because this is from the book, Modern Tantra. Go check that shit out. That shit is a powerful book, right? <clears throat> he asks a question. He says, if you're in a relationship and you guys are working Tantra together and you're working different things, <clears throat> and your partner proposes to you that they want to have another partner besides you, what do you do? Now, after you answer that, then answer, if you say no, hell no, fuck no, why are you saying no? Okay? Then after you answer that part, then ask yourself, are you saying no because you feel you can control this person and that they only belong to you and should be only with you? Then after you answer that, then answer, if you answered all that those questions in the affirmative of, they belong to me, all this other shit, then what you're basically saying is that you really do not understand anything that you've been teaching, promoting as being conscious for all these years. Why do I say that? Because you fighting against it means you're still under the Western mindset of what a marriage or relationship should be. Not saying this is right or wrong. I'm not saying this perspective that you should do or not do. What I'm saying is challenge yourself in every aspect, and you will see that you're under control, under a system of order, and you never really embrace your chaotic side. That's right. Why do I say that? Because most people are so tranquil and happy and peaceful or pretend or illusionary happiness in their relationship and never deal with motherfucking reality. If you are a female and you think your man never looks at another female, you're living a religious lie. See, religion tells you that's wrong. Religion tells you that's lust. Religion tells you all these things, right? But yet your pastor is sticking his penis in just about everybody in the church who lets him, okay? But at the same time, he's telling you that that person is wrong, that person is adulterous or whatever, right? However, understand something. Chaos understands the primal primitive energy of everything. And when you understand these things, you no longer get upset that your mate may have interest, physically interested, lustfully interested in somebody else. 
because you still are dwelling in religion when you get upset like that. And I know some of you females or males are mad on the show because this has even been brought up. But you have to ask yourself, you don't own the person, so why would you be upset? You know why you're upset? is because you're selfish. And you're selfish because you think everything revolves around you, and to a certain extent it does, but to another extent you don't own anything or anybody. You only can have control over yourself. And when you understand that, you'll understand chaos versus order. Every aspect of what we've been telling y'all tonight, ask yourself, am I living chaos or am I living order? Am I living chaos or am I living order? And what you'll find out is most of the things we do is order, not chaos. Most of the aspects of your life is based upon order, it's not chaos. And chaos is what brings change. And all y'all always constantly talking about, oh, I'm, in, I'm my own master. I'm in control of myself. I'm the motherfucking guy. But, yeah, you're working at McDonald's. And you're afraid <laughs> to leave McDonald's. And you're afraid to try something else because you really don't understand chaos yet. You don't understand that primal energy. You don't understand that you don't have to be under any system of control, that you can still succeed if you really put your eggs in different multiple baskets and try different things to get to that successful level of what you may can be considered or what you consider successful. But so long as you right. stay in this order, so long as you stay in this pattern of life, where the fuck are you going? But one direction, that's the same direction that they've been teaching you since you were young. You live, right? Well, you're born, you live, and then you die. And in between, you have kids, you have a house, white picket fence, a car, but what the fuck else have you accomplished, right? What else have you done? What else have you tried to do? Why is it that motherfuckers who are billionaires or wealthy usually understood what it means to do the very thing that they tell you not to do, to succeed? And that's how they got, that's right, and that's how they got their money because they made the decision, like you said, to get out of their comfort zone and get what you call take a chance, gamble, the regret, whatever, and that's how they got to that point. Um, but what I want to do is, I mean, I know we got we got wrapped up in this. We forgot about taking some calls. I know we got tied up in this. Um, so what we're gonna do is, I know it's getting it's approaching eleven o'clock hour, and we're gonna we're gonna in a minute. Uh, I know there's a bunch of comments already typed in and some questions. We'll go back, scroll up to that, and then uh, we'll go to the phone. But before right before we do that, on all the principles that you're talking about, this even extends to. I mean, let's go, you can go to Japan. I want to read this, The Temple of the Green Dragon. If you can Google this, you can Google the, the master that founded it. So I'm going to give you a brief definition to show you these teachings of this primordial energy, dark chaos, chaotic energy, etc. You're going to find this at the core of every culture, always had a sacred order built on the teachings that we're talking about right now. And all of this would tie into those chaotic teachings because it's going outside of the norm. The same way as we mentioned earlier, Set or Satuk is always depicted as the bad guy because he questioned things. But when you do it, and we do it on a daily basis, when you question something at your job, right, because there's a system in place, when you question something at your job because you don't like it, what is that called? 
When you question something in a relationship you don't like, what is that called? When you when you when you when you question something as far as a political choice, as far as religion, when you speak out against it, what do you think you're you're accessing that chaotic energy? That's what Satos and Took represents. Wait, check this out, and this is something for you to research. The Temple of the Green Dragon is a sect of black brothers who have do- who have adopted Asiatic forms and embraced the myths of Zhang Gardor, the Green Dragon. According to the legend, the order was founded by a Japanese Shugendo master who traveled to Tibet for training more than a thousand years ago. There, the master had a vision of a green dragon which spoke to him and prophesied the rise of the Pan-Asian Buddhist Empire, which would originate in Japan. Returning to his homeland, the master established the order of the green dragon to fulfill the prophecy and propagate black sun Buddhism and soon developed a following among Japan's warrior monks and ninja clans. It goes on to say it taught about the teaching of the black sun. If you know anything about Japanese culture, and you always see that symbol depicted, the black sun is a representation of dark chaotic energy. Okay? So this, again, we can go to Japan. We, I mean, we can do this all night. You can travel all over the world and find you always had surface teachings, and then you always had, at the core of it, getting to the very essence of what these, this was really about. Because you're going to find out the surface teachings were just a byproduct of this dark chaos. That's why I read that definition earlier. The very short phrase here, when it connected, it said, there was a sphere of darkness. This is, a, this is an alchemy metaphor. It's a term for one to, to, um, to, to really pay attention to and then use that symb- symbology as a representation, it, it talked about a sphere of darkness connecting the underworld, the world above, and the world that connects both of those worlds or the dark chaotic primordial energy. That's why I read that earlier. This is basically what we've been doing for the last two hours, and I hope it sinks in. Um, so we're going to go to the phones. We're going to take some calls. Um, again, if your phone is muted, please unmute it because obviously we can't hear you. We get this problem every week. So we have to obviously repeat it. Again, if your phone is unmuted, now would be the time to unmute it. So when we call out your state, you'll be able to speak. If you don't have a question or a comment, just say just listening, and then we will move on to the next caller. So let's go ahead and go to the phone. Uh, first call we got is on the on the phone from Mississippi. You're on the call. Do you have a question or a comment? Just listening. All right. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. All right, some some uh, stuff that was typed in earlier. Let's go. Let's go to online. Uh, let's scroll up. I'll try to get to some of these comments. Uh, this was uh, Seth Athena had typed this in earlier, brother Ravani. And this was at you. It says what? What? I guess this was in the beginning of the show when you were talking about. Um, uh, and if I'm wrong, brother Seth Athena, type in to correct me. Uh, I'm just going to read it, which says, "What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean by what?" We, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Back up. What do you mean by what's considered taboo? Break this down a little. Where can I go to do some research in the real form of tantric practice? Oh, okay. I, you went over that, but if you want to just briefly, you, you kind sure. of went over that for a good right. when I when I When I say taboo, taboo in society could be something as simple as like what I just mentioned, and that was about relationships. I'm going to just answer it like this. I know uh, elders, right, they have been married 45 years, 45 years, okay? I was on a cruise um, 
And I got to get to know them, and I asked them, well, how the fuck have y'all been together this motherfucking long, and nowadays people can't even get past five years in a relationship, much much less three years, much less a year. What's the secret to y'all success? And they told me, this black couple now, they said, well, they said, let me tell you something, brother. They said, the way we were able to accomplish this is that we understood life. And we understood that if you're with somebody for three, four, five, six, seven years, that motherfucker that you say you love so much, you're also going to hate so much. That same motherfucker you say you love so much, and you say, oh, they're beautiful and this and this that, they're also going to be very ugly to you at times too. They said we also understand human nature, and we understand that after that long with somebody, sometimes you have to make amends or you make amendments to your constitution of marriage, and you realize that certain times you allow people to do certain things. In other words, they have their little hiatus, a little break from their relationship, and then they come back. In this motherfucking society, that's considered taboo. Why do I say that? Because in this society, you're taught from to death to his part, right? Forever together. Um, you're my only this, and no one else can exist in my eyes as this, and this, 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 that, and bullshit, and all this fucking fairy tale, illusionary lies, right? Well, and tab- that's considered taboo to allow your partner to have an experience outside of you. Now, I know some of y'all, that shit is really fucking you up right now when you hear that. Another thing that's considered taboo in this society, right? Um, joining an order that does all the things that you were told is evil, such right. as orders or, or, or secret societies or spiritual organizations or, or whatever, that handle serpents in their traditions. See, if you're coming from a religious mindset in this society, the serpent is the devil, it's evil, it's wrong, it's this, it's that, 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 right? But in this different traditions, they deal with the very thing you're scared of. The very thing you've been taught is wrong or lies, they deal with it. That's taboo. Because everything that you're told in this society not to do, I'm not saying every goddamn thing now. Let me correct that, because y'all motherfuckers will say, Ravana Noon said... <laughs> But Nidhi exactly. said that we should do anything and everything against society, and then you point the finger at us, and we'd be like, hey, we we said, no, no. What we're saying is that just about some of the things, a lot of the things they tell you you should not do is what you should do. For example, a lot of black organizations will tell you, um, the white man is the devil. They took and stole all that information from us. Okay, and I'll bring it up because I ain't got no shame in my game and I ain't afraid of none of these motherfuckers. Truth is truth, facts facts, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Brother Raul Neferamun, who wrote the Meta Netter books. That motherfucker right there is a contradictory motherfucker. First and foremost, that hoe right there tells people that the Rosicrucian Order and all these people stole everything from us and the white man's this and they stole things from us and this and this that. That same mother effort took temple degrees from the Rosicrucian right Order word 
for word. They didn't even change it. them, rewrote them into the metanetra as if it was his words. Not took some concepts, put it into his own words. Bullshit. He took word for word from that, those degrees, and put it inside his metanetra books as if it's his own word and then tells you, don't join the Roscrucians, they're full of shit, or don't join, you know, don't look Caucasian, this and that, but he's using Caucasian written right. information. And you know what's messed up about that? And it's even more messed up. Now, somebody really needs to really think about that for a minute. That means one of two things now. One, obviously he was or is, or was at one point or still is a Rosicrucian. It's the only way he would be able to have that information. How do we know that? Because we are, and we're past that degree, and we studied that degree. So the only people that would recognize it are people that have attained that degree. That's, that's number two. Now, he also knows the mind, as we talked about earlier, you've been mind-fucked from day one. He also knows that 99.9% of you would never encounter that information anyway. He knows 99.9% of you wouldn't even join the Rosicrucian Order and get that far, so it's safe to do that because you wouldn't be able to access that information. So 99.9% of the people that have read that book would have no idea that he took that word verbatim, and we can show you and prove it to you word verbatim. Now, here's the thing. We're not saying, look, I couldn't give a fuck what anybody took, where they got it, or how they did it. That's not what we're criticizing. Because if you sit there and say the white man's the devil, blah, 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 if all information came from us, so it doesn't matter who's using it, it still came from us anyway. That's number one. But that's not what the issue is. The issue is being a hypocrite and telling you that the white man is the devil, that the Rosicrucian is bullshit and that's all white people, blah, 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 and they took it all from us, blah, 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 and then you're going to go turn around and use it. That's the problem. In, his, and, in the white man's written words, not Egyptian written words, comedic, no, this is the white man's written words that you rewrote over and didn't change one word, one iota, one dot, one period, one question mark. Nothing. Okay? and put it into your book, that's hypocritical. But what we mean, why we bring this up is because, see, black people have created their own taboos. And one of those taboos is anything that the white man puts out is garbage. That's right. <laughs> anything that the white man does, they took from us. But yet, they'll say, well, we taught the white man everything, they took everything from us. But then they'll turn around and tell you, yeah, but the white man taught us as if, listen, look, come on, hold on, man. This this the bullshit, right? If you say that we taught the white man everything and they stole our knowledge and information, got everything from us, and then you turn around and say, well, the white man taught us to have oral sex. I have a problem with that. Let me tell you why I have a problem with that. Because... You're saying that the white man is smart enough. Mind you, I don't care if he is or isn't. You said that he was a motherfucking devil. You said that you taught him everything. Then then you turn around and say, well, they taught us have oral sex. So you're saying, one, he has intelligent capacity to teach you how to do something. How the fuck can they teach you to do anything if you claim you're God? How, do you, how can they teach you anything? You're God, you're original man, the Asian black man, maker, owner, cream pile, on and on and on, right? How can he teach you any of that shit? But yet you turn around 
and say we taught them everything, okay? So now taboo in this society for black people is to find out what the white man really knows. What knowledge and information is he holding on to? What is he really about? What does he know? What does he do? See, not what people tell you they do from looking outside in, from people who actually walked inside these orders and organizations and seen it from inside out. Okay, so when I say taboo, it's those things that people say you shouldn't do. It's the very things that you might possibly want to do. Like, oh, life to Crowley really got everything from us and all this shit. But yeah, you won't join OTO, Order of Templar uh, Orientis. You won't join that. But you'll just claim everything he took was from us or, you know, life to Crowley this and that. But yet, yet you're using this knowledge and information that he wrote in his words. Whether he got it from magician concepts or not is irrelevant. He put it into his own motherfucking words, and then you use them goddamn words verbatim bullshit. It, that becomes. Know, mm-hmm. it, no, I'm sorry. It, it, like you say, it's a, it's a contradiction because the, back to the, 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 the on that same topic, the white white man. These same people want to turn around and sit there and tell you, you're, like you say, you're God, you're the original. Everything's always original and first, and there 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 is a mind prep in that in itself. So you're constantly hearing the word original. You're constantly hearing the word first. So pay attention to that. If you're original and you're first, that means you would supersede anything, number one, and you would know more than anything or anybody that came after the fact. So let's establish that. But then on the flip note, you want to sit around and tell me, after you pump my head up with your original this, the original black man this, original that, blah, 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 you first this, first that, then you want to tell me that there's this force or this band Call the devil slash AKA the white man. You can't really tell me factually the purpose of why the white man was created. All you give me is your bullshit stories on how you genetically think he was created because none of it makes sense. It's all religion, whether it's fucking Yakub playing with two magnets, which is comical as shit to me, whether it's the curse on the Canaanites, whether it's Esau from the black Hebrew Israelites, whether it's the fucking Flugorads or the Nwapians. I get all these religious stories that cannot be factually proven. That's that's explaining genetically. That's not yeah. that's not what we we haven't been asking that question. And here's another one. Here's the latest one. Oh yeah, the white man was created in a test tube. First of all, hold on. Wait a second. My God. <laughs> First of all, who the fuck created him in a test tube? That's one. Two, how the fuck did they create him in a test tube? That's two. Three, the only other theory I've heard about a test tube uh, used to create white men or any kind of human species was the alien story. But yeah, exactly. you will debunk. You will debunk that aliens don't exist. That UFO extraterrestrial bullshit. It's all lies. But yet, you come up with a concept that white people were created in a test tube. The only other concept I ever heard of that philosophy or theory about that was the whole Sumerian story and humans being genetically cloned in test tubes and everything else. So that means to me that you believe this Anunnaki extraterrestrial bullshit, and that means to me then that's another fucking contradiction in itself. But, but the question would also be, what was the purpose of creating a white man in a test tube? See, nobody can ever what? answer. What, what, what is the purpose? Because, for an example, when you ask the nation of Islam about that stupid-ass Yaqub story, they gave you this religious story of, oh, well, he wanted to create a, a weak, a weaker genetic race, so he can the wicked, so he can rule over them. Really? That you want me to accept that? That was the that was the whole point. If you're dealing with that theory, now you're sitting here saying this stupid shit, which I haven't really heard this one. 
So this is even more stupid to me. So you're yeah. saying if you if you were one of those people that believe that uh, the white man was created in a test tube, my question simply is, what was the point of that? Because see, people say stupid shit like that to justify explaining their their stupidity and their ideologies, but they have no. No, see, brother, but you gotta understand, a black man said it, so that's it. It's over. It's a wrap. Yeah. It's case. Yeah. It's case closed. It's a fact. Right. But the point, the point, the point, the point, the point is this: you can't say you're you're superior, original, this and that. But then, at the same token, why are you pumping my head up with that shit? Then you're telling me there's this force called the white man or the devil that you're doing battle with, trying to overcome, because of all your theories of how he came about, what it represents. But yet, you're claiming that there's no relevance to it, but there's some type of intelligence there. Because if there's an intelligence there, to the point where it's intelligent enough to combat your own ideology, then there's something not happening there. Or, just let's just throw this shit out there, it's fucking kicks and giggles, shits and giggles. Or is this just a lesser manifestation of who and what we are, and it's something that we brought into existence, and huh. it's just a varying vibrational degree of ourselves? Exactly. When because, you go into the principles of Tuhuti, it answers the question right in itself. <laughs> if you have the doctrine of polarity, and polarity really does not exist only in your perspective in this human 3D, third density, vibrational level, then you right. would understand that when you're looking at the Caucasian, you're looking at a varying degree of yourself. That's and it. that is simply put that they came out and are the aspect of yourself that you see outside of yourself. You, what that's you see it. them, you see you, and you, they see you, you see them, and that's why you can't stand each other, but yet some of y'all love each other. It's because you're really the same thing, but polarity makes you feel like you're different because right. you still haven't gotten past the 3D illusion of polarity, so you think it's different, but in reality, when you really so comedic and study the principles of Tudor, you would understand that fuckers are the same thing as you, because you're just varying degrees of the same thing, and polarity is not really real. That's why he and says, and, 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 and you know half how truth. There is no right. absolute truth. It's there a half is no absolute. Truth. And you know how that's true? Let's look, like like you just said, in dealing in dealing with that polarity. Let's look at this for an example. Perfect, perfect example. One, we have to establish 90% of the time, well, 100% of the time, what you hate is either really deep down inside, you really don't hate it, and usually what you hate, you wind up becoming. Let's establish that. You ever notice, you ever notice, let's use for an example, entertainers, let's use Charles Barkley for an example. If y'all remember Charles Barkley, when he was playing, and then towards the end of his playing career, the peak of his career towards the end, you know, he always cried racism. He still does today. You know the, the some of the instances he had in the past, that incident he had in the restaurant where he got into the fight with that white dude and threw him through the, through the restaurant window. Always sits there and cries racism this. The, the, you know, it was always, uh, you know, he was singled out. The white man did this to him. He, he, he always... And the motherfucker's married to a white woman. Yep, okay. Exactly. Do you ever notice these pro-black Negroes, especially these high Quincy Jones, married to a white woman? The list goes on and on. I'm saying most of the time what happens is what people hate deep down inside 
They hate it because it's actually a representation of what they actually are. That's what it means when it says you become what you hate. And I always notice. Now, there was a flip side to that. Then there's people that are comfortable with the aspect of it, and they see past that. Let's take Ivan Van Sertema for an example. With one thing they never draw out about Ivan Van Sertema, and Ivan Van Sertema, that's right. And Ivan Van Sertema, to me, when dealing with Native American, indigenous doctrine, the Olmecs, et cetera, he most definitely, to me, is one of the best scholars or the best or the top scholar in that field that ever was. And he was all about African and black pride. He was all about indigenousness. I mean, if, I'm sure most of you all know who that is, and if you don't, it's a shame on your ass. You need to research Ivan Van Sertima. Yeah, he wrote, wrote the and, book that came before Columbus for all you so-called content people. Yeah, there you go. Early presence of the Moors in America. He he teaches yeah. the real Moors shit, not not the old Moors Science Temple. Get your fucking Moorish ID card and go to court and fucking be a cone. Not that bullshit. He teaches the real shit. Point is, like Brother Lavana Noon just said, he was married to a white woman. Okay, so I'm trying to show you the polarity. I'm giving you living physical examples. He was probably one of the most pro-black, conscious teachers that, that have walked the path. One of, one of our great elders and ancestors that walked the path, but he was married to a white woman. They never talked yeah. about that, though. And, that, and the reason why is because what they don't understand is the un, some of the underlying principles of the seven principles of Tehuti is like attracts like. Okay? There you go. And what there you don't go. understand is if you got a white girl, you're attracting the same as you to you. Meaning, in reality, there is no motherfucking color. There's only your illusion that you've been taught of color, your perspective of color, your uh, nah, nah. socialization of color. Let's clear this reality, up, though. Well, let's clear this no up. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's clear this up, though, brother. We're not. We're not. We're not. <laughs> we're not trying to tell people to go out and go get a white girl. That's not no, what we're saying. Not at all. Let's, 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 let's clear y'all it up. Not, blame us for that shit too. Yeah, that's not what we're saying. We're trying to help you understand why that happens when you just look at it externally. Now, I put it on the record. I'm sure you're in the same boat as me. Uh, you know, I prefer dark, dark chocolate. So let's 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 be let's be clear yeah. on that. Um, but we're not. Woman, period. Yeah. Period. And that's just preference. But that, again, is a manifestation of what we gravitate towards because deep down inside, that's the essence of what's there. Now, some people say, well, yeah, there's slave master mentality that's indoctrinated with it. See, that's the, that's the cop-out. When you want to just give an external explanation of it and simplify it and say that's easy, oh, you know, brothers that do that they, or sisters that do that, they just do that because they, they're under the spell or the illusion of the white man. See, that's, that's convenient and easy. Yeah. Well, that's when you attack, that's, a, that's yeah. also low self-esteem and inferiority complex because you lost that sister to somebody who was lighter than you. So your only goddamn excuse is, oh, that's, she's under a slave mentality. This sister could be more conscious than your damn dumbass. Yeah, she just it. got tired of your dumbass and your dumb extremism and said, that's fuck right. all that bullshit. I'm going to exactly. vibe with somebody who's like me regardless of if they're dark or light. That's right. That's right, and that's the whole point that we're trying we're trying to draw out. When you get when you go to the more in depth explanation of it and get more detailed, it's gonna make more sense. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. See if we take a couple more calls here. Uh, next call we got on the line is South Central Florida. You're on the call. You got a question or a comment? Anybody there from South Central Florida? Peace. Question or P 
Peace. How you doing? Well, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm really enjoying the program, and I'm listening, and I'm receiving a wealth of information because it's confirming um, quite a few things that um, I guess, no, I don't guess. I know that what's in my innermost parts. And right. When that happened, you know, I get overwhelmed, I get excited, and I and I realize that um, the path that I'm on, with the information that I'm getting, that um, I feel, um, I guess I could say confidence or um, mm-hmm. um, satisfied in the direction right. that I'm going in. Uh, when when uh, I want to, I don't know who um, said this. Well, when, I think it was you. Um, Beniti, when you said counterclockwise and you go inward? Well, uh, we both talked about that on previous shows, and Ravana was talking about that tonight. But, yeah, okay. on an older show, we talked about, yes, you always taught to go clockwise. Like you heard Ravana Newman mention, he alluded to that earlier. But mm-hmm. on a show we did a while back, you'll find out in ancient systems, everything was always done in the opposite way. It was always counterclockwise. Even when you look at ancient writings, it was always right to left, not left to right. True. Um, so so there's, there's a science behind that. It was, And we were talking about that a few weeks back when we were mentioning it's always an inward journey out, not an outward journey in. Mm-hmm. So that is done to throw off, number one, mentally it establishes, whether you're aware of it or not, something so simple like that establishes in your mind, it focuses your energy outward as opposed to inward. And you've, you've always heard, and every every culture, doctrine, any mystical, order, all the stuff we're talking about tonight will always start within first. They never start from an outer point. It never happens. Yeah. Only religions are the only thing that does that, where it teaches you God is external. It exists outside of yourself. God resides in a place called heaven that's out there and up there somewhere. And it just it throws you off mentally emotionally and spiritually, let alone physically. Now, does it just have you physically looking somewhere outside of yourself, but it's, it's working on every aspect of your subconscious mind. So that's right. kind of, kind of, yes. And also to add on to that, also one of the reasons I said that is also because we're always taught to look towards the east. Everything is yep. towards the east. The sun rises in the east. But here's a real question for people to, uh, to, to really get this through their head. If you're in the east, then what direction does the sun rise to you? Mm. Think about this now, because east is only relative to where you're standing at on the earth. And you can keep going, and when you get to east, you eventually get to what? West. In other words, the more east you go, when does east become west and west become east? It's all based upon your perspective. So, and you have to factor, and brother, also you have to factor in if the Earth is constantly evolving on its axis, where where is true east on the planet? That's my point. So if you're constantly in motion, as the Earth is constantly revolving, and you're constantly moving, eventually east becomes west, west becomes east. Damn, so what happens it. is when you look at the clock moving from twelve, one, two, three in that direction towards the right, right? You eventually going to run back up and meet the point where you started at. However, that leads you to linear external time, meaning that you think time is actually moving outside of yourself. So that's why in most rituals and most things, they always tell you, do clockwise. That's because 
people are under the system and don't realize that they're really doing an external ritual. When in ancient cultures, most rituals were internal. The problem that happened was that a lot of rituals here in the West got influenced by um, other systems from other places and then became a hodgepodge of systems into one thing. So now you don't know what's really right, left, clockwise, counterclockwise, and all that crap is just hodgepodge together. Like for the Wiccan system, in Wicca, they always do things clockwise, circular, okay? And they always start towards the east, south, you know, west, and then north. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Right. So, but, but understand this now. If we're doing it in that fashion and you're following that fashion, then what you're doing is following what has been given to you from a person's perspective that is reigning or dwelling in a region that is north of you, mainly England, okay, mainly in these locations. So you are here in Florida, which is closer to your environment, your tropical weather, your region from your original center point, whether it's South America or Africa, whatever the heck it is, <laughs> okay? We were in these tropical climates and environments here, and even up to, well, they'll tell you, like even 15,000, 20,000 years ago, Manhattan in New York was a tropical environment and climate. People don't even understand that because the way the planets, I mean, the continents were together, Manhattan sat in Africa, on the top part of Africa. Well, that's another story. But anyways, so when you look at it from our perspective here, then where would our starting point be? Is it east or is it south? Yeah. You understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So can I can I just say one more thing? Yeah, what brought that to my attention um, counterclockwise is that I would twist my hair clockwise, and I realized that it wasn't giving me the effect that I wanted. And I said, no, I got to go counterclockwise. It's just a small thing that brought that, gave me the revelation about clockwise, counterclockwise. So I started twisting it counterclockwise, and I got the the um, the beauty of my hair came out more than than when I was doing it clockwise. So I, I just thought about that. I said, things need to be done counterclockwise. Mm-hmm. Just thing as that, doing my hair. Enlightened me. It, it no, what it did. It awakened me about counterclockwise. Exactly. So I really appreciate um, you brothers, and, and I thank you for the wealth of information that I am receiving it, and I'm going to definitely apply it. Now, I'm 70 years old now. Just made a birthday, but Happy I birthday. thank you. I don't consider my age as a hindrance to me, I the um, knowledge and the truth that I get, and if I apply to my life, it's going to take me on my path, and it's going to take me to my my destination. And, you know, like I I told my girlfriend the other day, there's things that we don't think, um, we don't think alike on certain things, but if you're truly searching and, and you're asking and you're knocking. I mean, I know that's all bi- biblical um, terms, but it does apply to our lives. I told her we'll meet up on the same path. Right. But here, uh, the other thing, though, is that actually Asik Nak is not biblical. You okay. Into the Bible. That actually was um, a Kemetic or Egyptian concept 
that was actually utilized for the initiates and stated in such a fashion. It just got casted into the Bible so the Bible can seem more legitimate by utilizing different philosophical or spiritual systems and incorporating within this book to give it more validity. But in reality, that concept came from the temple schools of these ancient mysteries found around the and planet. It's, and it's also in the Fellcraft degree of Freemasonry. Exactly. Thank so, you for that information. I'm not a religious person. I got out of that a long time ago, but I did um, pick that up from there. But thank you for the information that that's not the origin of it. That's but right. I also wanted to say this. Age is irrelevant. Especially I know that. Culture. I really do, brother. I yep. know that. <laughs> in our ancient cultures, age was looked upon as a blessing. It was looked upon as a blessing because you became wise. The wiser you became. And this is why in ancient, our ancient culture, when you became 40 or older, you were looked upon as a wise person now. And the reason why is because when you hit 40, you're looking in the other direction, which means that you no longer are so much captivated by the physical things in life. You've led and usually have lived a life to a, po a point by that age. You usually have, you know, family. You've done the education thing. You've done the, you know, uh, the house. All these things you've accomplished a lot of times, right? Yes. But when mm -hmm. you get to 40, you start shifting in the other direction as if by nature, you're automatically preparing yourself for the transition to the next stage of existence after this physical life. And to us, age was considered a beautiful thing. This is why people who tend to be very spiritual tend to age gracefully to the point that by the time they're 60, 70, 80, sometimes you can't tell. They still look like they're 40s or 50s because that spiritual energy is feeding you. It's feeding you, and it keeps you younger. It keeps you um, energized, and it keeps your cells reproducing and staying at a more elastic stage where you're no longer um, aging rapidly because of gravity, of uh, because of the... Um, Toxins in the air because of all these things, the oxidants in the air, all these things, that keeps you energetic, young, and beautiful always. I just wanted to throw that, not just because I know you understand this, but for others who may yes, be listening, mm -hmm. because in this society, you know, in this society, we, we try to fight aging. If you notice in this society, in this world, everything is like anti-aging anti-anything, but to us, that was considered beauty. That was considered wisdom. And we have to start reversing this process in our minds of age and what age really is when it's actually not a negative thing. It's a beautiful thing. Because once once we know this and we transition, then we can transition with the understanding that energy does not die. Energy cannot die. Energy cannot cease to exist, energy only transforms in shape. And when we understand that, and I understand that when my physical body dies, my energy will continue. And only you will know what happens after that. I can't tell you. Nobody else can tell you because you have to experience it trying to really understand it. So I just yep. wanted to share that for, you, for not just yourself but others because we have this tendency to 
always look negatively upon age, and that's a lot of times because the society is so hell-bent on staying young, and they have all these serums and plastic surgery and all this crap to try to stay youthful, and it's like they have so much anti-elder, um, anti-aging mentality in this society that people don't honor the wisdom that is taught by people who are elders. So I just wanted to share that. All right. Uh, we lost the sister, but uh, she, she, we lost the connection with her. But uh, we definitely appreciate the call, and uh, hopefully we, she's able to connect back on. Uh, we, we lost that connection. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, definitely, you know, uh, a good point with the time aspect. And I want to back up to that a minute because in understanding a lot of the concepts that we're talking about tonight, uh, that's the number one tool that, that keeps people uh, confound um, because they're not really understanding, you know, the false aspect, like you mentioned, linear time. You know, we have a host of different calendars. We know this. You know, we have the Gregorian calendar that goes to Gregory, you know, St. Gregory the Pope that we use here in America. You got the Egyptian calendars. You got the Mayan calendars. All trying to capture and calculate what time is. And in essence, when you're dealing with what we're talking about tonight, working with archetype energy and the deities, one has to break that false illusion of time and have any success with dealing with this. Um, so let's establish that. Um, you, you have to get in your mind, when we use the, say, the concept, and you'll find most mystical orders will teach about the now. You, you, you hear this all the time, that there, there's the now. Um, you know, the past is just that. It's past. Uh, the present would be the now. And the future is, you know, that's not guaranteed to come. See, people, people go to bed every night thinking that tomorrow's going to come. That's how comfortable and complacent we've become. We automatically think what we've defined as tomorrow is, is, is it's a hundred percent guaranteed to come. Now, if you're familiar with Khalil Gibran, read some of his works, and he gets in depth about this false illusion of time. He talks about things like that. He talks about the now. He talks about if people really understood life and existence, uh, that is a person that's not connected who thinks like that. We 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 think we're going to wake up in the now, what if you woke up in the morning and everything you thought that you're thinking is reality now was an illusion? You don't know if you're in a dream right now. I mean, you yeah. can you? Can, How do you know the you know, dream world's not real and this world's a dream? It's, it's an illusion. You see, time is what confuses you to that. Time is what throws you off from that thought process. So when we talk about psychic projection, astral traveling, one has to understand to vibrate outside of what we call false time, which is confounded to the third density, person, place, thing, three-dimensional, this is what keeps people from not making that next leap, taking that next step in their spirituality, and really understanding what deity is. See, if you look at deity, regardless of what culture, what philosophy or dogma you study, if you're still looking at deity in an external aspect, I don't care if you think that Horace, you're still venerating Horus as a physical being, and you have you have a statue, and you're you're you know you're worshiping. Again, you're back to outside of yourself. You're back to it's another form of religion. You may not be calling it religion. You may not technically be defining it as a religious practice, but it is religion, and that's what the whole point we're trying to get people to see. 
when you tie it back into the essence and the origin that out of this chaos all things manifested and were birthed, the only way you can understand it is you have to go back to its point of origin. I didn't say its beginning. I said its point of origin, the essence of where it started from. Because then you find out when you get to where everything emanated out of, which we're talking about chaotic and primordial energy, you'll find out when you tap into that and you're dealing with things that are outside of person, place, or thing. You're dealing with things that don't have any boundaries. You're dealing with things that don't have any beginnings or endings. This is the problem. And this is why people always explain deity in the same light, but they just, it'll, it'll vary in degrees based on where they're at in their spiritual studies. Even if they claim to be spirits and conscious into the whole Egypt thing, the Yoruba thing, they're still breaking shit down on a religious level. And it's no different. Yes, it is, they really don't believe any different than a Christian believes or a Muslim believes or a Jew believes. Exactly. Because it's, and, and this is the problem. And this is why people have to really, like, we, like we've been talking about tonight, go within themselves. And again, I know that shit sounds cliche. It's not, it's not being said, go within thyself, to sound, to sound rhetorical. But if you really want to understand and grasp half of the shit that we're talking about tonight, Step one is eliminate all those false concepts that you've been taught. Not just, not just verbally say it. You have to confirm within yourself that you have eliminated from your subconscious mind all the illusions and the false teachings that you've been taught since you can remember. And that starts with your white man bullshit because that creates a slave mentality in itself, mental slavery. Because it still keeps you under a system of conformity, whether you're conscious of it or not. Because what it's doing is it's activating chaos and order at the same time. Because the chaos is you making the claim that you're superior and you're original and you're first and you're this and you're the original this and you're the original that. That's you stepping outside of the norm. That's you activating the setian, the satuk, the dark chaotic energy. That's you rebelling against conformity. But then here's how you, how you bring in the blinding light bullshit and the good and bad shit. But then on the flip note, you're going to say, well, the white man's the devil and there's this being called the devil that you're doing battle with. So now here's chaos and order existing at the same time. And you're the one propagating the shit and you're not even aware of it. Exactly. This is the whole, this is the whole fucking point. This is what we're trying to get you to see. Well, and if you I don't, mean, yeah. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. No, I'm saying if you don't see that, and you don't understand that everything has to be eliminated from your conscious. And it's easier said than done. That, your religious concepts of God, your, and, and like Ravana Noon was talking about earlier, your religious concept of relationships and love. That's a hard one to stomach. Now, we're not telling, we're not, again, we're, we're not telling you how to or how not to run your relationships and how to, you know, what you do in your sex life. That's your business. But what we, what we were using that, example to show you how to challenge yourself because deep down inside you really don't know and i've said this a million times you don't really know what your mate likes you think you do have you ever asked because if you think if you think that having sex is just busting or not yeah lay on your back turn over let me hit it from the back oh i'm gonna finish if you really think that that's what sexuality is about then you're fucking confused what we're trying to tell you is you may not know the likes and dislikes. It could be vice versa. It goes towards the man, too. You know, females need to ask your man what you like. You might find out you might both like the same things that you thought were taboo and that you didn't want to communicate with each other. Exactly. Because it's, it's, it starts with communication. That's what we were trying to get at. 
if you get on this selfish mindset, and most men are like that, oh, that's mine. We say, that's her. But let's do this shit, but that's my woman. Like, like, like Ravonna Noon said earlier, you don't, you don't have control, really, in essence, over anything. And it's vice versa. We're not just saying that from a male perspective, because there's females, too, that think they got the greatest pussy in the world, and they think, like, theirs is better than everybody else's, you know, and we're good at creating that illusion, too. So don't deceive yourself, too. It applies to the female. You, if you think that you got the best shit on the planet, then you're setting yourself up. For, yeah, there's, for, always somebody, there's always somebody better than you. Always. Yes. And you set yourself up for huge disappointment. So we bring that up to get you to challenge your way of thinking. We're not, by, by all means, I just want to make it clear, we're not dictating to you what and what not to do. That's entirely up to you. But we, we bring are that challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. That's the whole point. Same thing. Let's, let's, use, the, let's use the example of, uh, let's use a business venture for an example. Let's go to something totally different. How many people are free? to go outside of the norm because they become so comfortable. Exactly. Say it's a, it could be a job, it could be a career or a profession, uh, something that they've been doing so long that they may be doing it and it may be consistent, but that's not really what they want to do. They're not really yep. happy with that. And they might have an idea that they're afraid to venture out because they're afraid of failure. And like I said earlier, you become your thoughts. So before you set out to do it, if you think you're going to fail, you're going to fail. You might, you might not, might not wait, even waste your damn time. Yeah. But the point being is it's about releasing boundaries, not having any boundaries. Because once you put limitations and boundaries, you'll never understand this concept. So time, last thing I want to finish with time, we'll, we'll, we'll take a few more calls. Time is the key. Well, if you really want to understand this, you have to go outside and break that barrier of the false illusion that we call time. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Let me, let me add this point before you take another call. Uh-huh. Um, people ask me sometimes, do I believe a God? And I'm going to give you the answer to that once and for all because people ask me on social media and different places. But before I answer that, this is a hint to what the answer is. I don't believe and I don't necessarily have an altar. And the reason why is because I am the altar. I'm going to tell you why I say that. Every external point that I put on an altar, whether it's a statue, a picture, or anything else, is already existing within me simultaneously. That's right. So, That's right. to answer people who've been asking me this, no, I don't believe in a motherfucking God or a motherfucking goddess. I don't believe in any of that shit. What I do know I don't believe in a lot of shit. I just know from experience. What I do know is that I, me, myself, am the representation of all those philosophical, metaphorical, and metaphysical concepts created to explain humanity and their personalities and their archetypal energies that eventually in time people created these deities as a way to rule over you. So being that you're the original creator of these deities, then it's your rightful place to take back these concepts, apply them to the proper procedure of yourself, your higher self and the aspects they represent in yourself, and you motherfucking take control of these so-called deities to do your shit. Not you propitating to them and asking them, motherfucker, help me for this. Do this for me, please. Do this, right. answer this for me. Give me some money. Like, give me some pussy. Give me some this. 
help my relationship when all that motherfucking shit you could do yourself. What that's the fuck Aaron, does Obatala care? I'm going to say it again, though, but let me say this part. What the fuck does Obatala care about my earthly motherfucking problems and issues that I'm going through when Obatala represents the highest state of consciousness or the higher state of consciousness in the Orisha Pantheon? What the fuck does he really care about my human shit when I'm trying to transcend past the human frailties and overcome them? You don't have to understand that I'm the motherfucker that's in control of the gods because I created these gods. So how the fuck can I worship Obatala when I created Obatala? How the fuck can I worship Heru when I created Heru? Don't you understand that thousands of years ago, these priests, these high priests, got a fucking epiphany of some fucking next level shit to create to control people for all time don't you understand that when you go back through the annals of time and you dig deeper and deeper that you will find out that these systems were all created by human beings who came up with concepts to try to explain human experiences and existence and in time some of these motherfuckers were very um, cunning conniving, very fucking manipulative and controlling, where they said, well, we, some people said we could use this shit to teach people on how to transcend and overcome and become masters of self. And then another group of them said, well, fuck you. I'm using this shit to dominate, control the world, and keep people as my slave and servant. You know? And you bring up a good point when you say earlier about a batala, right? You can use a batala, you can use Tehuti. Like you said, you are those deities, all of them. Now, for an example, Batala, one attribute they affiliate with him is knowledge and wisdom. Okay? When you obtain a high-level intellect, you start accessing information, and you tap into the cosmic conscious. Now you are Batala. People See, that's what people are failing to understand. Same thing if you use the same example with Tehuti. Tehuti. Right. The archetype energies that each deity is affiliated with is a certain attribute. Once you obtain that attribute, that's exactly what it means, like when you just said. You are all those deities. You're the one that created them. You're the one that raised yourself up to them. But when you get caught up in the illusion that it's something that's outside of yourself and that you think it's something above and beneath, above and beyond you, now you're back to that whole religious thing. Because unfortunately, like you said, some people in the Yoruba pantheon are practice Santeria. And we've seen it all too many times over the years. Yeah. You know, they get in front of the shrines and they grovel in front of them. And they're, they're, they're doing it as if this statue is a representation of some deity that exists outside of themselves. And they're offering wor- worship and obeisance to something that really resides within because it's an attribute that's represented in the psyche and in the human nature of each individual. Everybody has a certain level of intellect and wisdom, right? Everybody has a certain warrior nature. I'm giving you attributes of all these deities. Everybody has, whether male or female, because like you said, we're not dealing with gender when we deal with real spirituality. Everybody has that divine mother goddess nature in them, that divine mother goddess love aspect in them. Okay? We can go through all the deities. These are just some of the most common attributes of the various deities in these cultures. What we're getting you to focus on is you're, you're tapping into the subconscious mind where the archetype of energy exists. So when you start tapping into divine wisdom and intellect 
you become Obatala, you become you become Tahuti. When you tie into the warrior nature, you can become Kalima, you can become Shango, you can become any one of those warrior archetypes. This is the point we're trying to get you to see. This is the point we're trying to get you to, to understand. But anyway, let's see if we can, uh, let's go back to the phones, let's see if we can squeeze in a few more calls. Oh, actually, let's go online. We'll just get a few questions online. Let me go back. Uh, Go up. Uh, okay, so it's here. Uh, just some comments that was typed in earlier by uh, Brother Seth Appen. It says, I only hope that all who listen to the show understand that if you can or don't practice what you know in your life, you're just wasting your energy. It's very true. Convincing others to know what you have learned. How can you verify the knowledge if you don't have a reference point or experience? True. How can you convince someone about Anubis or Seth or whatever did to your Rishis or your Ruba gods? when you have never experienced the energies work within you. One cannot understand chaotic energy if you've never experienced it. True. Appreciate the comment, brother. Uh, then uh, a question just typed in by uh, so this, this, we, we, I don't know what this, when, when this guest came in the show, but it says, how do you connect to the ethers? Okay. Now, when you use the word ether, you use the word vital life force. You're, you're going outside of gender. That's kind of what we've been talking about all night. Um, when, you, when you transcend outside a person, place, or thing, and you're, you're not dealing with three-density, three-dimensional, and you're, you're vibrating at such a high rate of frequency, you start to evolve back into what we call energy. We're all, we, we are all beings of energy, and that's why you heard uh, Brother Rabana Noon say earlier, you, you can't destroy that. That can't be destroyed. So it's not so much, you know, you always you always are connected to it. So it's not so much, um, you know, you know how do you connect to it? It's just you're always connected to it. But sometimes we we become, you know, ignorant, and we lose our way, and we forget that the very highest essence of ourself is always it's always been connected. We just sometimes need to be refreshed of it. And then the only way you can is, like I said, step one all the stuff we've been talking about tonight is you need to be reprogrammed of all the bullshit that you've been taught. That's first and foremost. And you have to understand to really be connected to the ethers, you have to understand in spiritual, and we don't, for lack of a better word, in etheric form, there is no gender when, when we're dealing with male and female. Now, we know that gender manifested on the physical realm first in the female aspect. So when we say this is where these, you hear all these people teaching about the black woman is God. What they're getting that mixed up with is, yes, scientifically, we know it's a fact that the feminine gender physically manifested first on the planet. See, I ain't got a problem with that. But see, they're getting that shit twisted with when you go back into its essence, and if you want to use the term ether, vital life force, some call it the silver cord. There's many different terms for it. When you go back into that frame or level of information, there is no gender. That shit is irrelevant. And you'll also find that, we also mentioned earlier, Ravana Noon talked about androgyny, right? And even when you go into the, uh, the same book that I was reading from earlier, it gives you the whole breakdown on androgyny. It ties it into the alchemical aspect of the masculine and the feminine forces working in unison. Yep. And this is why we always say the first beings, it's a fact, go look it up, that incarnated on the planet were androgynous beings. They had dual sex organs. So when you talk about what real gender is, now we got a fucking problem because people don't want to get to the essence of it because you have to go back to those Dravidian cultures. 
Even when you look at modern Hindu culture today, you still see the drawings of the androgynous man. You and look at the don't face, forget in Egypt yeah. they did the same thing. Happy when they showed right, happy. Happy That's was right. an androgynous being or hermaphrodite, mm -hmm. because they right. depicted him with breasts and a yep. male gender. That's right. And then when you look, even today, when you look at, look at all the modern-day depictions of a lot of the Hindu deities, when you look at the face, they can, it kind of looks feminine slash masculine. And then obviously you've seen many depictions of the Hindu deities, like feminine and male or androgynous looking. And like my brother Ravana Noon said, you can go back into Egypt. Um, even when you go back into the Yoruba culture, yeah. there's also aspects of Shango that are masculine and feminine simultaneously. You have to pay real close attention. Yeah. You'll see that also in, in, in various of the, of the Yoruba deities. So the whole, the whole point in understanding and grasping the concept when masculine and feminine, and like we talked about even prior on the show, that's really what the Baphomet, everybody loves to use that symbol because it's some, you know, great occult symbol. It's the most popular or one of the most common occult symbols. But rather than focus on the, the lore and the luster and, and, and the bullshit that comes with it, people don't really understand the breakdown of what that symbol represents, the Baphomet symbol. And it incorporates everything we talked about tonight, equilibrium, totality, masculine and feminine forces, duality, as above, so below. That's what you're supposed to focus on when you deal with the occult symbol of Baphomet. And it could be a powerful symbol if you use it in your meditation. We didn't even talk about the geese tonight, all that stuff. Um, but anyway, let's see if we can go, let's, let's go back to the phone. We've got a couple more calls, and I think we'll wrap it up. I, I think we gave a lot tonight. We talked about a lot of different topics. And, man, this shit we didn't even get to that I wanted to touch on. But yeah, we, can do it we do a part two to this. I want to get into some uh, in-depth uh, next time. I want to get into some in-depth and detail some of the orders and some of the rituals uh, that are practiced and the meanings behind them. Um, a lot of these di different orders we mentioned tonight, let's get into some specifics about the order of the assassins, the, uh, you know, the uh, dark order and brotherhoods of set and Anubis. We didn't even get into any of that stuff, but we definitely want to touch on that. Then connect it to some of your modern-day orders, Masonic orders, and things of that nature, and show you that, man, this shit's always been here, all right? Yep. Um, let's go back to, let's see who we got on the phone here. Uh, let's go to Texas. Texas, you're on the call. Do you got a question or a comment? Good evening, brothers. Thank you so much. I'm so, um, elated to be, uh, talking to you all tonight. Um, I just want to let you all know, I've been listening to you, listening to you all for about maybe two and a half, three months, and okay. I've gleaned so much information. I'm really excited about the RNA and the DNA. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk about it last time, and I just wanted to bring it back up. I, it's kind of related um, in what you were talking about. When um, you didn't talk about the life force, that's what made me think about it, the life force. Um, our blood is the life force of our, of, of our being. And right. I, I went to a, a function sometime last year. It was at the Science Museum where I am. And they actually had a science experiment. And the uh, experiment that they had um, was they had people look at their DNA chain. Mm. I didn't even, I mean, I knew what a DNA chain looked like, but I, I didn't know what to expect with this experiment. So they just had us, you know, swallow this really salty saline solution and mm. then spit it out into a, a cup that had some colored uh, solution and so we could see the chain when you spit it out into it. 
Right. And uh, so there's a group of people, and uh, you got to look at all their DNA, and it was, some of it was clumpy looking, some of it just didn't form anything, and you know I really didn't know exactly what specifically to look for. And then the guy said, "Oh, look at look at this, look at this DNA chain. This is a this is a great DNA chain." And so everybody kind of clumped it around and looked at it, and like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." So I just wanted to share that. Um, mm. The right. the other the other thing um, when you were talking about living you know living in the now I mean I I believe yeah living in the moment is really really crucial and that's all we ever have um, right. when you talk about when we don't you know we don't it shouldn't even look for the next hour it's it's this very very moment and when that that's what the what we call the present which is really the gift that we have so if you just focus that's on good, the right. very moment that we and, have and, to ma- and, and on that. On that note, sister, with relationships, use that same concept. This is why a lot of relationships fail because if people aren't dealing with the now, see, people will get into relationships and they're already thinking about six months down the road, a year down the road, and this is something that people do, whether they're conscious of it or not. Rather than take care of today, you understand, people, people haven't even taken care of today, the now, the present, whatever you want to call it, and already they've mapped out and, and, and men and women are guilty of doing this both. I'm not just saying that this is just women. But they'll get into a relationship and say that relationship starts blossoming. It could be, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but whatever. And then they're already planning, you know, six months to a year, two years down the road. They're already creating a vision, which is okay. I'm not saying don't have, be a visionary and, and, and have, you know, something that you're looking forward to. But the thing is, if you're not taking care of today, you know, you can't be looking at that point because what tends to happen is, is why relationships fail. And, like, because based on what you just said, I'm using that as an example because mm-hmm. if we don't deal with the now and we're looking to something that we're, we're not guaranteed is ever going to show up, this creates a problem. But anyway, I just want to throw that in there. I didn't mean to cut no, you off. But no, that's, no, that's perfect. But, you know, I'm glad that you brought that out because, um, you know, especially if that helps anybody that's in a relationship that may be having some some issues, maybe they can take the time to focus on the here and the now because the next one was not guaranteed. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, thanks, Brother Benny. Um, Ravana, Brother Ravana Noon was talking about um, when he said, when he talked about the concept of God or that God, you know, the goddess, I, I, I totally get it. Um, I had an epiphany um, that came to me actually a couple of shows ago. And you know, I've been um, doing a little bit of work um, with the pendulum and dousing. And one day I just said, you know what? I don't know if I totally need it anymore. I am the pendulum. I am the dowser. Um And then one time I was talking to somebody and I said, I am the universe. So I, which is, which is correct. So everything that, um, that you brought forward in, in talking about that, um, it really, really has resonated with me to a point where it's helped me to be better at what it is that I do and what I aim to do. I can see the, um, the effect of it with the training that I've had um, and, and bringing the spirituality piece to it. It's making me much more powerful than I ever was. So I just cool. wanted to bring that out. Um, oh, we appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. No, um, no and, that's, and the, then, that's the whole mm-hmm. purpose of the show. No, sorry, go ahead. And I just have a question because... Um, when we're talking about uh, back to the RNA and DNA, and I know you're all talking about, uh, you know, knowing who, where we, where we come from, who our ancestors are, you know, with the blood, t- t- blood testing. 
um, I uh, I finally said, yeah, well, then that's the case. When when we when we're talking about praying or, or speaking back or, 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 or approaching our ancestors, uh, mm-hmm. because that's what I've realized. You know, that's come out of the, the the religion aspect and and saying, okay, now I need to call on my ancestors ancestors because I've got their RNA uh, within me. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were talking about it earlier, um, I we said call on the higher self. Um, would we say that the higher self and the ancestors are one and the same? Yes, because it's, because when we say genetically connected to your blood, because for an example, you have a great great grandmother. For an example, mm-hmm. we all we all whether we know them or not, okay. Even though that was a physical manifestation of a person, we know that was a separate physical manifestation that wasn't you, but genetically, that's connected to your blood. So it's still. It's something that's connected to you, yes, in essence. But it was a physical manifestation that was separate from who and what you are. But in essence, it's not really separate from you because you are who you are by blood. And genetically, it's connected to you by your DNA. So it's not outside of yourself. Now, when you deal with blood type, like for an example, what's your blood type? I'm O positive. Okay. Now, O positive, we know is the oldest blood type on the planet. We know it's the first blood type. Okay. When you research the various different blood types on the planet, it would debunk the myth that we all are the same. Because if we all are the same, we would all have the same blood type. Obviously, we know that's not the case. Everybody's got different blood types. All right, you're O positive. Now, somebody that has O positive, such as myself, who's very fair-skinned, somebody can also – are you light-skinned, dark-skinned, brown-skinned? I'm, I'm dark-skinned. Okay. Dark-skin. All right. Now, here, this is how genetics can be very confusing. Now, you could also take somebody that has A blood, okay? So here we are. We got an O positive person, one very fair skin, one very dark skin, okay? Mm-hmm. Let me just, this, I'm trying to show you how this works now. Then you could take A blood, A negative, A positive. B, these are, these are more predominant when you trace the genealogy of those blood types. It's Caucasian blood. Now, you could have somebody that's dark skin with, with natural kingly hair, very dark skin, mm-hmm. have B or A negative blood which is predominant in Caucasians, but they could physically appear to be a dark-skinned melanated person. So what we see here is they have the neuromelanin. They inherited the physical characteristics of the genealogy because, remember, we're talking about neuromelanin, neuromelanin, different aspects of your DNA and your blood. So what tends to happen here is to show you you are a byproduct of your ancestors and you have to embrace every aspect of your genealogy, that person that's dark-skinned and has that A blood needs to really do research on their genealogy because they're going to find out there's a lot of Caucasian in that bloodline. doesn't mean that you're Caucasian. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is your blood type determines and dictates what you are connected to, and it's a good starting point. So what tends to happen is when you have that A blood, people don't want to acknowledge that aspect of their DNA. They want to act as if because physically... They're identifying with them. And that applies, that applies also to the person that might be very fair-skinned and may not look as original dominated African or Nubian. They might look more uh, Latino or Asian or more European, but they might have stronger genetic black genes, but they're just not doing the research. And that, that's how the genetic works. But it's not outside of yourself because you're going to find out that you, you are who you are, number one, by your blood. But even though it might be dealing with the physical aspect of it, might be a physical manifestation, like I use the great-grandmother analogy. But when you get back into essence and you are who you are by blood and ether, nothing exists outside of you. 
It just creates and, the illusion that it does. No, absolutely. And, you know, you have me, both, you all have me convinced I'm going to go ahead and get a, um, a blood test, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, and yeah, then I'm definitely going to your blood type. Hmm? Definitely. You should definitely be sure, 100% certain of your blood type. Yes, definitely. Well, I know what my blood type, but I'm gonna, I want to, from a genetic perspective, I want to see what it, what it comes back to say. But I can say that mm-hmm. in my, in my own family, my, uh, my paternal uh, family, my grandmother and her sister, um, they're like two opposite ends of the spectrum. My grandmother, mm-hmm. she was, you know, what you call mahogany and crinkly hair. I, I didn't know her. I, I never knew her. I never met her. Um, but I have, you know, images of her. Um, mm-hmm. crinkly hair, but her sister was very fair and had straight hair, you know, way down, you know, below her behind. So right, it, right. it's just, you just don't know where those genetics come from, and that's what I well, want to find out. No, you should, and that's that, mm-hmm. that's good. You definitely, we always have encouraged people. Ravon, what, what test did you use? What was, what was the system that you used? <clears throat> I used 23andMe. Um, okay. That's one of the better ones. You could also use... Uh, AfricanAncestry.com. That's the one I use. That's the one I use. Right. Or you could use um, AncestryDNA.com. That one's pretty good. But real mm-hmm. quick while I'm talking, I want to back up real quick for a second when we were speaking about the higher stuff and the ancestors. Another thing to keep in, in, in mind is that you've incarnated on this planet various times. That's true. Sometimes when you think you're hearing the voice of your ancestors, you're hearing the voice of your higher self who lived multiple lifetimes and where you were basically different aspects in different times, different traditions, different uh, races, nationality, cultures, and you think you're, it's your ancestors speaking, it's actually your higher self speaking to you right. from those different multiple lifetimes and those experiences, and we interpret that as our ancestors. That's why sometimes when I say the higher self is your ancestor, that's what I'm relating it to. Because your higher self many times speaks to you. We interpret it as our ancestor, but that's you from another lifetime and that experience, sharing that with your present day experience for your guidance and understanding. But we've been taught a lot of times to accept that as an ancestor, but in truth, it's really you. A lot of times, mm-hmm. not all the time. I'm just saying, a lot of times, it's really your higher self speaking back to you. Okay. And that's so actually... next... Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. No, no, no. Go ahead, sir. No, no. No, please go ahead, brother. No, no, no. I was just saying what Ravana knew. I'm saying is right on point because that—that's what I mean when I say it creates the illusion that it's something that exists outside yourself. Because, like, like you're saying, if you are hearing that voice, sometimes we we interpret that as some external deity or being that is uh, maybe trying to reveal themselves to us. And, you know, we haven't, we, we, we've touched a little bit on in the past. We've done some shows on reincarnation and past existences, which that's something you got to factor in. And, and this is not our first time here. If you're here now, it's not your first time here. And that's something you have to, again, we can't convince anybody of that. That's something somebody has to raise themselves up to their own realization of. Because, yeah, I can just sit there and say, to you or anybody else, yeah, you've incarnated here multiple times. Yeah, that sounds good. There's, there's so many theories out there that, that support that. But if you really want to really confirm that, there's many ways you can confirm that, but the, you have to confirm it for self. Um, but it's definitely it's something that exists. It's, it's reality, and we're saying it based on our experience, and there's millions of other people that will say the same, you know, tell you the same thing. But 
bottom line is, you know, once you raise yourself up to that reality, then it then it doesn't just become a theory anymore. So yeah, I mean that's an excellent point. That could that we you might be interpreting that not you, I'm not saying you in general, I'm just speaking in general mm-hmm. now to everybody. Right. You know, people might be interpreting that voice that they're hearing or that experience that they're hearing. Then then I could hear some people saying right now, Well what about uh I had a vision and I saw this <laughs> this is my favorite. And I saw this being and it appeared to me. Well, now you're dealing with your subconscious mind and the impressions that are stamped upon it. Because remember, when you have a spiritual experience of a being, remember, you're seeing it based on the thought pattern in your subconscious mind. Let me give you an example. You have certain spirits, okay, or you have certain beings, for lack of a better word, that people will say that are external, that can manifest to you. But then you say, why are you seeing them a certain way? Let me give you an example. If you have somebody that was Catholic all their life, right, how many Catholics have said they've seen a vision of the Virgin Mary? They've seen some apparition, right? And they all pretty much describe it very similar, right? They always similar characteristics in all those visions. Now, why do you think they're all having visions and seeing it a certain way? Because if you're pumped with a certain level of information and experiences, if you're, if you're a Catholic and you're going to church all the time, and you're constantly seeing this image of Mary, constantly seeing this picture, these depictions. When, you're, when you go into a state where you reach that mental bliss, if you want to determine that, where you start to travel outside of person, place, and thing, and you start connecting to, lack of a better word, the spiritual realm, what do you think you're going to start seeing Mary as? You're going to start seeing Mary as, which you've been seeing it for the last 20, 30 years. So our minds will dictate sometimes to us what we see and we're, we're mistakenly identifying as something external. So sometimes it's hard for people to grasp, well, I'm seeing things that are appearing to me to be separate from myself, and I'm seeing things and having experiences that are coming across as if it's something that's happening outside myself, but it's really it's not. It's creating that illusion because the mind will play tricks on you like that. Remember, we talked about on some older shows, the superconscious. We haven't really, we haven't really gotten in depth in that. We have the superconscious, the subconscious mind, and then the conscious mind. And the, 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 the subconscious mind is fed and dictated to by the conscious mind. The superconscious mind is the higher mind or the higher self that we talk about all the time that we never really access to its full capacity. So we, we talk a lot about the subconscious mind. We don't really get into the superconscious because if you understand that, then that's basic psychology. If you understand that your subconscious mind is dictated to by your conscious mind, you'll understand why certain things happen. You'll understand why you experience. Now, again, we can only explain it so much in words, but experiencing it, that's, you know, that's a whole different story. But just, just wanted to throw that in. Well, you, um, you made mention of, um, I just wanted to make mention there was a movie, there's a movie, and I think it's Jet Li is in the movie, it's called the one. Yep. And, that's it. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah, going to be the one that yeah. he actually depicts meeting his other selves or higher selves. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I've that seen movie, it. I remember that. It's a phenomenal movie. And so that I was going to say, so that, I think you touched on a little bit of that after traveling, and I think you touched on that. I mean, that's one of the ways to be able to uh, meet um, a, a um, doppelganger to go back in time because you were just talking about mm-hmm. how we've lived um, prior mm-hmm. lifetimes before. Yep. Um, and if anyone is going through any kind of an issue um, that they that they need to overcome, then going back in time to touch 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 bases with our higher selves or 
alternative universes is the way to, is. to help overcome that. Yes, right. And I remember when that movie came out a few years back, and it's funny because, like you said, the movie's called The One, and many people might have seen it. If you didn't, go see it. Because, man, here, here's, that's a classic example of what we were just talking about. It creates the illusion that there were separate entities because you see the multiple different aspects of himself that he encountered, but in essence, it really, it really wasn't separate. It was creating the illusion. Mm-hmm. that it was separate outside of himself. So that's, that's a good point. So I forgot about that movie. I remember when I came out a few years back. Good point. And I think I think that's good enough. I think that was about it. Um, <laughs> oh, the, the, that out of chaos comes order. I mean, that, that, that is, that is, that's awesome. That's just awesome. Uh, I had that's just it. made a comment to someone about two weeks or so ago. I said those very words, out of chaos comes order. And, that's right. And it was a rap group a few years back. You remember this, Ravana? No, no, he's still around. Uh, it, you might remember a rapper named Farrell Monch. You might remember a group, Organized Confusion. And if you remember that, I know you remember them well, Ravana. Um, if you go listen to their music, uh, I mean, Farrell Monch still makes some music now. He was one of the members of that group. He's more, uh, you know, what you would consider underground artist. But they, they kind of hit a uh, popularity wave, I want to say, in the mid-'90s. Uh, you can Google them on YouTube. Um, and like I said, when you listen to their music, they were, were talking about a lot of metaphysical principles. They want some next stuff. And the name of the group was Organized Confusion. And they kind of got into the essence of some of the stuff that we're talking about tonight. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's a term that's, that's been out there. And that's, 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 that's the reality of it. In, in order for, for you to have organization first, in order to have it, you have to have chaos first. That's just bottom line. That's just basic science. And anybody that doesn't understand that is confused. So anyway, well, we definitely appreciate your call, sister, and we appreciate your comments, and we thank you for listening. Thank you. All right. You have a good night. You too. Peace and love. All right. Uh, and let's go to the online um, alchemist types and the alchemist. I don't know if that does it. Type in. I don't know if it is this the alchemist from Providence, Rhode Island. Is this Curly? Or is it somebody else? I'm not sure. If it is, just if it's not, just type in so I know. Uh, but anyway, when you get a chance, uh, Alchemist types in, I've come to understand that the geese that have drawn my attention is really archetype energies manifested, manifested from with, without, I mean from within, out. Oh, no, it's a different Alchemist. Okay, there's another brother that listens to the show. Okay, there's a different out. That's an excellent point. Man, we didn't even talk about that, Ravano Noon. Sagis, which are really, really uh, powerful. Um, there's rituals done around uh, Sagis. Uh, it's, it's a form of a symbol, and uh, they can be very powerful tools to work with when, you, when you're working with talismans and symbols. Right. Um, That's why I mentioned mm-hmm. the, the, uh, <clears throat> the Sri Yantras that are used mm-hmm. in Tantra, because the Sri Yantras are basically their sigils that they use in the tantric system. Right. Um, and they basically use it as the same aspect of sigils within other magical systems. It's just their sigils um, are more geometric shapes as opposed to some sigils would use ge- uh, geometric shapes and words. They don't really use that as much. They just use the mm-hmm. shape. But it's the same aspect because... What the shape is used for is to tap into the self, is to is to go into that subconscious aspect of yourself to tap into that archetype energy you're trying to 
activate within yourself. Whereas mm-hmm. some will say evoking the deity, evoking the God. In reality, you're evoking yourself. Your higher self is supposed to manifest. And you have, the reason why I keep repeating this is because people don't really understand that your higher self has lived multiple freaking lives. And uh, just on a rough estimate, at least a thousand different incarnations, okay? Now, let's just say, on average, you lived 100 years in each of those incarnations. That means you probably li- you've probably lived 10,000 years or more in this cycle of time that you're living in, okay? That means you've experienced every freaking philosophical system there is, every spiritual system there is, everything else. So when you call on or evoke these spirits and you see them manifest, Sometimes what you're really looking at manifesting, which is really manifesting from your mind outward, is projecting outward from your mind, so it's still really happening in your mind. You're really seeing yourself in one of those lifetimes. You think it's the motherfucking God that you're called on, but you were that God. That aspect of the God you're trying to contact is that which is manifesting as your higher self in that aspect, and you're seeing yourself. Don't think that the way you look today is how you look a thousand years ago. That's bullshit. That's People right. have this misconception that, oh, shit, this, that fucking sexy fucker I'm looking at in the mirror or that ugly fucker, whatever you think of yourself, that that's exactly <laughs> how you look a thousand years ago. That's bullshit. That's Hollywood version. You look different every time you've incarnated because you incarnate in different nationalities, different ethnic groups, different races, so you never look the same. Your genetic lineage may be connected some way, somehow, but the look of your face is different. So you interpret that as being some god, some ancestor. That shit is you. That fucker is trying to talk to you about you, and we're spooking the fuck out and thinking that's some god shit telling you. Because we want to, you see, and sometimes we do this because if a god incarnates, I'm special. I'm fucking somebody special, you know. The motherfucker channeled to me and gave me some special knowledge, so that makes me special. That You're no more special than a motherfucker who's homeless who also has this <laughs> gift, okay? I, told, I had some dude, I mean, it's just funny you bring that up. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I had some dude, it's the funniest shit to me. He, he's, he's been watching my, my YouTube videos and, and obviously whatever, he something just, just uh, stirred him up. So he kept sending me emails kind of cover what you're talking about, uh, Brother Romano Noon. He, he, he wholeheartedly was trying to convince me that he was an incarnation of Heru. He got mad to the point where I debunked that whole shit and then wanted what was on a mission to prove to me is the most stupidest shit in the world when I'm listening to briefly, I mean, I, I watched about four minutes of the shit and I had to turn it off. It was so stupid. You know, there's a classic example of somebody that is not grasping anything that we're talking about. Like like Brother Ravonin is saying, he's convinced wholeheartedly that he's in contact with something outside of himself. He doesn't want to accept the fact. And I was basically trying to explain to him, you know, Heru is not an actual physical being. You've created you've created that concept in your mind, just like a Christian has convinced themselves that there was an actual character called Jesus. Exactly. See so if I if I, I can convince myself of anything, that doesn't mean now, it could be a reality to me, yes, because I've convinced yeah. myself of that. But where the confusion comes in is if I say to myself that 
Heru is actual little man, and I and I go to Ravana Noon and say, Ravana Noon, yeah, Heru is real. I contacted him. I'm an incarnation of him. And then Ravana Noon understands a different aspect of it based on what we're talking about tonight. And he's like, no, that's an archetype energy. And he sits there, and now we got two different ideologies, one based on faith and belief and one based on scientific principles. So what do you think is going to happen? A debate is going to ensue, and that's why debate is pointless, because we can sit here and talk to a blow in the face if people aren't going to get to the point where they just establish the validity of what they're talking about, then all that shit would subside. The other thing we want to clarify, and I'm glad, I'm glad we're bringing this up and we're on invoking the deities, um, because I get a lot of emails on this, and I think this shit is funny too. Um, and I actually just did a video on this, uh, banishing, okay? There's a com- some confusion in this because we've mentioned it on the show. I've talked about it on, on YouTube, and there's some confusion in this. I want to clear up that confusion tonight. You hear the word banishing, one automatically is identifying with getting rid of something, correct? That is correct to an extent. But what I want to make clear is you're not banishing any negative deities. I don't know where this bullshit comes from, but people think, oh, I'm, I'm doing my banishing ritual before I work any spiritual magic because I'm trying to get rid of the negative deities or the negative energy. Never heard of anything so stupid in my life. Let's, let's establish what banishing. the ritual, okay? What you're actually really doing and what you're supposed to be focusing on, because in the banishing aspect, if you have your own system you created, or if you are modeling a system after ones that have been in existence, you're actually invoking deities when you're doing the banishing, if you're really paying attention to what you're doing. And I've used this example, uh, for example, OTO. When they do their banishing, they actually invoke the deity Pan in one part of the ritual. So you, what you're doing is you're not banishing deities or energy. What you're doing is sanctifying. It's, it's all symbolic. What you're doing is sanctifying your sacred space where you're performing the magic. You're just, you're like, I'm going to use a term you can relate to. It would be like how a religious person would say they're blessing something. They're sanctifying. It's all to prepare your subconscious mind. It's all symbolic, and it's all representative of what you're getting ready to do. So you're actually invoking deities to sanctify and bless your space. People term, misinterpret that as, as, you could say, banish or remove energy. That's not really what you're doing, though. You're just cleansing or sanctifying a sacred space you're getting ready to do spiritual work. So let me give you an example. I don't use the uh, most banishing rituals, like they'll, they'll tie it. It's biblical. It ties into Kabbalah and Hebrew mysticism or it'll go back to any of those religious traditions. I don't mess with any of that stuff. Instead of what I would do is instead of doing the Kabbalistic cross as they do in the, in the Kabbalah, I might use one of the comedic symbols. I might do the symbol of the Ankh as opposed to that. And I would change the verbiage I would use when I'm, when I'm doing the part of when I'm touching the breast and I'm touching the genitals. I, I would tie in certain deities that are connected to that aspect of the body because we haven't, even, we haven't even gotten into that. So that's how you create your own path. Because really, if you're, if you're going to use that same system, like in that same standard Kabbalistic system, they invoke the four archangels. That's, that's religion. So who would want to do that? What I would do instead, and this is what I do, and again, do what you want, I invoke deities. And when I get to that point, 
I invoke earth, wind, air, and fire. And I invoke any deities that are affiliated with those elements when I'm doing my banishing. So I don't, I don't, I don't use the four archangels. I might use Shu, Tefnut, Geb, and Ra. One can activate that when they're doing the banishing. Because when doing real spiritual work and magic, remember, we just read that in dealing with the chaos in the very beginning of the show. And if you missed it, go back and do the playback. You have to connect the four elements. When working magic, because the na- nature is so connected to you. So when you're trying to activate these archetype energy and these forces, you have to connect the elements in nature. With- what you're doing, and, and what was that movie they had out a few years ago with Bruce Willis? The Fifth Element. They showed you that in that movie, The Fifth Element. It's all connected. So that's another aspect. So I wanted to clarify that because there's been a lot of emails the last two weeks uh, about that discussion that we had, and and people are kind of a little bit confused with the banishing thing. And I don't want people to look at it like that because if you go into a banishing ritual, like you're getting rid of negative energy, now we're back to God and devil shit. Let me add this on. I just want to add these two points. First, with the banishing, Mm -hmm. anything that you do magically, you should never look at as good or evil, or bad. right right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. There is only concepts and perceptions of those concepts, and you take what you need from it, and you view it as you will. That's there right. is no right or wrong. Okay? I'm going to say this, because uh, a, a wise sage once said this. He said, a master has failed more times than his student has even tried. Mm -hmm. Which means that in your spiritual work, to be the master of your work, you will fail more times than you will actually have somebody even try to do one thing that you've done a hundred times. But those hundred times of failure will lead to the one thing that leads you to your success on your path. So... That means that there is no right or wrong. There is only what you figure out that works best for you. So when you do banishing rituals or you do anything else, please get out of your mind any concept of this is right or wrong. I'm I'm banishing evil spirits. Well, evil to who? It could be evil to you could be good for somebody else. That's right. Those things spirits you're banishing could be somebody's friend. You don't know. That's right. Because you're only looking at it from your perspective, your tradition, your system, and what you've been taught and what you've accepted and what you find is true by what you accept it. Second thing is, <clears throat> when you deal with the jails or anything like that and you evoke and these spirits and these things incarnate, let me just say this. If you look at your ancestors and you look at the ancient systems and traditions, have you ever asked yourself this one question? This one question should have popped up, but I don't hear a lot of people ask this question. Why is Tahuti always depicted different? His depiction is different in different dynasties. He looks different in different dynasties. All of the deities always look different in different dynasties. In different cultures, they never always look the same. You have 20 different depictions of Kali alone sometimes. You have 20 depictions of why that answers what we were telling you before. That is aspects of your higher self. 
So the people who were drawing this aspect back then, that's the way they saw them. You're here in 2016 trying to contact something that incarnated or they made reference to 2,500 years ago or 5,000 years ago. It's not the same energy. It's a different energy, different time frame, different perspectives that are not matching your present day. So You know what? You know what? Before I forget, Ravon, what you were just saying about the depiction, it just, it just triggered something there. Back in 19, I want to say this is 1999, uh, we took a tour of a historic church in Macon, Georgia, uh, St. Joseph's Catholic Church, right? This is going to confirm what you just said. So, you know, me always, always got to, you know, I always got to ask questions and shit. So the priest is giving the tour, and I'm looking at all the pictures on the stained glass window, and I'm seeing all these pictures of the, uh, the so-called prophets and Jesus. So I just wanted to see what his response would be. I said, let me ask you a question. So this is, this is, confirms exactly what we're talking about. I said, let me ask you a question. These pictures on these stained glass windows of so-called biblical characters in the Bible, I asked the priest, I said, well, how did they come up with this is how they look and how are they drawn like this? You know what he told me? He said, well, the artist, the artist that did the stained glass windows, he made, he put faces of people he knew to these, to the, to the pictures that you're seeing on the stained glass one. That was his answer. So the pictures that he painted, that was his cousin, his brother, his brother-in-law. His, he just put faces that he knew to those pictures. This is what the, they did the same thing back then. As simple as that was a modern explanation of it, it's the same thing back then. No difference. No difference. Mm-hmm. And um, let's I'm, take... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm talking. I was just going to say, that's why when you work with these things, you're under, you're deluding yourself, first of all, if you think that you're working with Kali energy and that picture that you fucking love so much of Kali, that that's what you're supposed to see. No. It doesn't fucking work like that. First of all, whatever's in your subconscious mind, that's what you're going to see outside yourself if it projects itself like that. If meaning... Well, your subconscious mind and the work you do, if you need a projection for you to come outside of yourself, to, to, to feel like you succeeded and you're the shit now, then you're going to actually evoke and bring forth that which is in your subconscious mind of that day it's your archetypal energy that you most want to see. And that's hey, why you know, people will say, oh, I've seen Mary or I've seen Jesus. No, nigga, you saw what you wanted to see. Subconscious mind projected it. You accepted it, and now that's it. It's real. It's true. No. Hey, here's, it's not, here's the flip side. Real Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> you know, here's the flip side to that same concept. You see what you want to see to show you how the mind works. Let's let's talk about something else that might piss a lot of people off. Well, I don't want to say piss people off, but maybe a, maybe an aspect that people don't want to address. How many times, male or female, and if you say you never did it, you're full of shit. Don't front. You might have been with a person sexually, and you might have visualized somebody else. Hell yeah. Okay. But you, your mind trained and disciplined itself to visualize what you wanted to see. So there's a duality to that. There's two sides to that same aspect. So if you don't think that that concept works on the mind, that that illusion can't be portrayed on the mind, just as simple as you can activate that illusion, if you're not conscious of it, that illusion can be 
put upon yourself. Same way. It works that way. Just like I used that term earlier when, we were, when I mentioned serpent. Soon as I said that, I know everybody starts to say, don't front. Don't pretend like you didn't. Because that's the first visual that came to your mind. That's how that works. Same thing like we just talked about with the Mary concept. If they keep pounding us with their concept and a visual that follows right behind it, what do you think you're going to see that as? That's just common sense. I mean, you can't even refute or dispute that. Anyway, let's see if we take one more call, and we're going to wrap it up. It's getting a little bit late. Let's uh, go to the phone. we got somebody on the phone from Florida. It just says Florida. You're on the call. you got a question or a comment. Anybody there from Florida? Florida. Your phone's unmuted. you got to unmute your phone. All right, going once, going twice, a few times. All right, we'll move on. <clears throat> I think we're going to wrap it up, brother. Uh, so uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to add in parting. Well, uh, let me just close it off by saying um, <clears throat> I know we said a lot on this show. I know there's a lot to chew on. But just remember that what we're tr- what we're trying to share with you is that you are the ultimate person who determines your path. And there is no right or wrong path. There's only your path. And whatever that is that you feel best, then so be it. What I can tell you is do your best not to get stuck in one path. However, if that's what you chose for your path and that's what your higher self is guiding you to fucking sit in one path for 30 years, 50 years, and that's so be it. What I'm telling you, though, is it's never good to get stuck in one path from my experience, and others might verify this, from one, from my experience, don't get stuck on one path because no one path has all the answers for your transformation. You can take and extract what is necessary from those paths to create your own path because a real master can find truth in anything and utilize that truth for their growth. But when you get stuck in one path, what usually comes along with that is you're also accepting the dogma of that path, the the belief systems, the superstitions, and all that is associated with it becomes your path. I'll give you a quick example so we can wrap this up. You're a Christian. All of a sudden get introduced to Yodaba and you accept the system of Yodaba and what you really have done is just replace Christianity by right. Yodaba but you still have Christian undertones and overtones in the new system you've accepted. So now although Dumare becomes the most high to you, now Obatla becomes whatever to you. Uh you have um, uh, Alura or all these other fucking Orumila, all, all these whatever. Orumila becomes the prophet of the religion to you. He becomes like an Abraham to you. He becomes like, you understand, that all you're doing is trading one concept for the other. And in the process, you just remain stuck. Because what you really did is just accepted the same religious system and motif that can be found throughout all these religions and never really progressed in your life because you're still worshiping, you're still doing offerings, 
and you're still looking at something outside of yourself, and you don't get it, that if you bow down to a statue, that statue is no more real, and we say this as a joke on the show all the time, than the Pillsbury Doughboy. It's no more real than that. But you want it to be so real that you will delude yourself to accept that that statue can answer your prayers. And then you think that, well, I have to feed the statue. And you do rituals and offerings and you do the blood ritual to feed the statue. The statue ate the blood? Really? I mean, I'm just trying to make you think. I understand the whole process of the blood. I understand the mysticism, the metaphysical and the esoteric aspect of what the blood does and how it does. But it's still a statue at the end of the day. A statue that, by the way, I can go buy at any botanica for $39 or whatever price you're paying. Okay, so how special is the statue really? You didn't fucking make the statue. Usually you bought the statue. And when you paid your 2000 or whatever, how much you did to be crowned or 7 or 10 or 50 because each one is different for each Orisha, so whatever. Right. You paid ten, fifteen thousand to be initiated and crowned in that Orisha. That's a lot of goddamn money. And then at the end of that ritual, and 10 years later, I see you, and you still in the same condition that you were when you shelled out the $15,000? What changed, brother? What changed, sister? I thought these guys were supposed to save you and transform you and do all these things, but you're still in the same position. So understand, the only motherfucker to change your life is you. And you, along those paths, extract what is necessary for your growth. If people don't like it, people don't like that you talk about their superstitions and their traditions, so be it. They're still stuck in that set way and their behavioral patterns are still stuck. Do the work and keep growing and grow and transform because that's what you're here for. You're here to get the experience. You're observing while you're experiencing so that you can grow. Anything else is a waste of time that you're just stuck in time and never understanding time is an illusion as well. So if you want to contact myself, Ravana Noon, R-A-V-A-N-A-N-U-N, on Facebook, my uh, Facebook page, then also our page for the show is Awakening Universal Minds. You can hit us up there if you have any questions, comments, concerns. You can email us there, or you can give suggestions of what topics you want us to discuss. Sometimes we rack our brain for topics. To, to put a show together for you guys But sometimes we like to hear from you guys What the hell you would like us to talk about as well And um, If you also I have a YouTube page Same name, Ravana Noon And I have uh, videos there I'm going to be putting up more When I get around to it And that's it, peace Alright all right, uh, same thing. I see we'll we'll get to some of those questions next week. I see we got, we got some more people typing in questions, but we'll get to the altars and we'll we'll get into more of the four elements and the banishing ritual. Um, but that's going to take a little, little more time and explanation. But you know, as we said, altars are they're, they're places where you you do your communication with the higher self, where you set up and and deal with these alternate type energies. We'll get more depth with that, and we'll talk a little bit about more of the four elements. Uh, so we'll definitely remind us next week. And uh, maybe we'll do a uh, you know we'll do a show in connection with that. Uh, but again, you can contact me email address uh, khnum19 at gmail dot com. 
That's khnum19 at gmail.com. And, and for all those that are, are in the, or are, have the ability to get to the South Florida area, I'll be doing a class uh, slash lecture, whatever you want to call it, this Saturday night uh, at 7.30 at Sophia's Garden of Miami. That's in North Miami Gardens. Um, I'll be out there this Saturday. There's no charge for the event. Completely free. Um, we'll be out there with a ton of books uh, on all the topics we're talking about tonight. A lot of the books that we use on the show uh, will be available at the event on Saturday. Uh, there'll be other vendors out there, Sister Sophia, who cooks a bunch of vegan food. Uh, so there'll be all types of vegan food out there. All we ask is just support the vendors, uh, spend a little money. There's no charge to get in the event. We never, I don't ever charge for crap. Uh, that's just me. I'm not knocking anybody that does. Um, but uh, we do ask that you support on what level, level that you can. And that's this Saturday night at 7.30. If you want information as far as directions or I can email the flyer over to you, you can just contact me at that email, khnum19 at gmail.com. And we are in the process trying to get that established by this week. Myself, Brother Ravana Noon, and Brother Sargidi, who couldn't make it with us tonight, uh, setting up an event uh, where all three of us will be speaking. Um, we're just trying to get the date uh, set in stone. Uh, where we have a couple of spots that we're looking at. We're just trying to get the date set in stone. And uh, that's something we're going to put out there a couple of months in advance so people that listen to this show that might want to travel uh, will have the time to prepare. We'd like to see some of the people that listen to the show because we see there's a lot of people uh, that listen to the show from all over. So we're going to set an event uh, somewhere here in, from Orlando to Miami. Uh, we haven't decided officially on the spot. Uh, where where we'll be, there'll be other stuff going on too. Uh, we'll be speaking. Uh, there'll be some workshops that we're planning. Uh, the brother that you heard on the show last week, uh, brother Sharif, uh, he'll be doing some stuff on on economics. Um, we'll have also what we talked about the other night. Um, if some of them leaving out, brother Ramadan, just remind me. We were also talking about doing some group participation events, some group chanting, uh, some rituals depending on what comes up, uh, definitely drumming. Um, so we can actually, people can actually witness and participate in some of the stuff that we're talking about. Now, for that aspect of it, I will say this, that's not going to be for the weak. <laughs> that's not going to be for the weak-hearted because when we say, <laughs> when we say rituals, we're talking about bringing down energy, accessing energy, activating. I mean, we've done it before. We've seen it. Sometimes somebody will come not, not expecting it to be them, and you don't necessarily have to be fully initiated in any of these systems because some people are more naturally just by, by, by DNA are more naturally connected. And sometimes we'll play the drums and some of the shit that you see happen. Uh, like I say, it's not, not for, not for the weak, weak, weak at heart. Not in a bad way, but sometimes people aren't prepared for what's getting ready to happen and, and what they're getting ready to see. So we'll have some. about you'll have an opportunity um, in some of the rituals that we're putting together uh, that we're discussing. So that's coming up. But again, if you want any information on, on the class this Saturday or any other stuff that we're talking about, khnum19gmail.com. You can also go to the Awaken Universal Minds Facebook page. Uh, again, like Brother Ravonne said, uh, give us some suggestions on shows, feedback, comments. Um, we will get, again, we'll set a date for that event because we've been getting a lot of emails about that when we're going to do something. 
you know, as a group. Um, so that's definitely something we're, we're getting ready to finish up. And, again, I always, I'm always doing something down here in, in Miami, uh, one, at least once a month, twice a month. Um, so if you're ever down in this area, you can most definitely uh, link up. And we, I would definitely like to meet some people that listen to the show. I've had a couple come out from um, – we have people come from uh, New York, uh, further parts north of Florida, uh, one person from D.C. So occasionally when people in the area, they do come through. And, again, feel free to come through. It's free. There ain't no charge. Um, that's pretty much about it. Uh, I don't know what happened to our good brother, Sargidi, man. He said he was, he was going to be late, but I guess he got tied up, man. So. So Argidi, uh not with us tonight. I'm sure he'll be back with us next week. Uh, remember, on the 31st, uh, we'll do the show next week. we got Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum coming back on the 31st of this month. Uh, we'll continue our discussion with him. we get a lot of good positive feedback when he comes on the show. Um, and he enjoys coming on the show, so he's definitely looking forward to coming back on the 31st. Uh, so that's all I got for you. We appreciate everybody tuning in, and uh, we will see you next week at the same time. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.